It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, March 2nd, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani inside our New York City studio. Great to be back home. Great to be back in New York after a great week in Los Angeles. It was it was wonderful. I got to be in the uh, the UFC Tonight studio. I got to be on the show for the most part. It was a lot of fun. Hope you watched it. Got to be on Fox Sports Live. Talking baseball, basketball, all those kinds of sports. Uh, got to be on the Jay and Dan podcast. Did you see that? That was fun with my fellow Canadians. And I got to cover Invicta. How about that? Friday night, Invicta. Very rare these days that I get to go to another organization because there are so many UFC events. I got to see Chris Cyborg do her thing in a matter of seconds. I got to see Alexa Grasso, who apparently is Dana White's favorite fighter now, name-dropping her all over the place. That was a lot of fun. Then, of course, UFC 184. On Saturday night at the Staples Center, Ronda Rousey did it again, 14 seconds. Actually, if you talk to the great Judo Jean LaBelle, who gave me this wonderful little gift over here, it was 12.8 seconds. Regardless, she defeats Katzengano, uh, uh, a surreal turn of events. I don't think a lot of people were surprised that Ronda Rousey won the fight, just that it happened so quickly that Katzengano bum-rushed her like that, and then, of course... The, uh, the inverted belly-down armbar finish. She's never done one of those before. Certainly, she's had a lot of a lot of armbar finishes, but she made all kinds of history on Saturday night. Here are a couple, if you're wondering, according to Fight Metric. 14-second submission, the fastest finish of any kind in a UFC championship fight. Her submission now ties for the fastest submission in modern UFC history. She ties the UFC record with five consecutive finishes in title fights. The sixth modern era fighter to finish her first five UFC opponents. Now tied for third most championship finishes in UFC history with five. Passes Anthony Pettis for the longest active UFC finish streak with five straight. And that's not all. Seventh armbar in uh, UFC Strike Force Pride WC competition tying Antonio Rodrigo Noguera for most such submissions in the combined histories of those four organizations. And that's not all. Zingano versus Rousey, the only UFC championship fight to not feature a single landed strike. Prior, this strange record belonged to Matt Hughes versus Frank Trigg at UFC 45, which featured just one landed strike. How about that? Crazy stuff on Saturday. And, of course, uh, we had the debut of Holly Holm. She won uh, her fight against Raquel Pennington. You had Jake Ellenberger defeating Josh Koscheck. Was it the last time we saw Josh Koscheck inside the octagon? We shall see. But uh, a lot to discuss, a lot to digest on this episode of the MAR. And hopefully you're following me on Twitter once again for the second week in a row. Our MMAfighting.com site is down. But the good news is you can watch the show live on live stream right now. So hopefully you're figuring that out. You follow me on Twitter or Facebook. And hopefully the site is up in a matter of seconds. For now, let us run down. Today's show, we've got a great one for you. I'm very excited about today's show. At around uh, 3.30, we're going to take your questions and comments. So hit us up using the hashtag DMMAR. Leave a question or comment in the comment section below if it's still there. If not, maybe today, a little more Twitter questions. We'll also go inside the vault at around that time. I got a fun one. Of course, one that pertains to this past weekend. So stay tuned for that. At 3.10, we're going to be joined by the barn cat, Tamdan McQuarrie, who is now 2-0 in Bellator. What a great story this is. 
out of action for five years, comes back in September, knocks out Brendan Ward in 21 seconds, and then comes back on Friday at Bellator in, uh, in Connecticut and submits Jason Butcher in a minute six seconds. The barn cat is back. Looking forward to having him on the show. How about this? 2.45. Y'all must have forgot Roy Jones on the show. Roy Jones Jr., the legendary Roy Jones Jr. will be on the show. He is back in action at 46 years young this Friday in North Carolina. He is, uh, he is making somewhat of a, a run at the Cruiserweight title, one of the few titles he's never held. And, uh, of course, I'd love to talk to him about Anderson Silva and all that stuff. But Roy Jones, anytime you can talk to a legend, a living legend. I have a great Roy Jones story, by the way. It's always, it's always fun to have him on. 225, we're going to talk to Henner Gracie, of course, the, the, the master of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. But, but, you know, he was in, he was in Ronda's corner. On, he didn't have to do much, but he was there once again on Saturday. So I want to talk to him about that finish and where Ronda goes from here and all that stuff. So Henner Gracie, always fun to talk to Mr. Hennergy himself. That will be at 225. 2.05, we're going to talk to another legend, Kent Shamrock. In case you missed it, it was announced on, I believe, Thursday that Kent Shamrock will meet Kimbo Slice in June. This is not 2008. This is 2015. They are finally, hopefully, going to get it on in Bellator in St. Louis later on this year. Kent Shamrock is back. I believe he's 51, and he is back. Of course, that fight was supposed to happen October 4th, 2008. Kent got cut, and then Seth Petrozelli stepped in. You know what happened after that. At 145, we're going to talk to Marion Renault, who's a fresh face, or is she, in the women's 135-pound division. She is 37 years young. She's a teacher. She's a mother of a 12-year-old boy, but she is on a roll. 2-0 in the UFC. She's coming off a very nice win over Jessica Andrade in, uh, in Brazil last week. I want to talk to her. A nice story developing this year for Marion Renault. And then at 125, we're going to talk to my good pal, Brian Stan. A lot of topics to talk to Brian Stan about. Always great to have his insight on the show, so we'll talk to him at 125. But first, you know, this was, in my opinion, a historic weekend for women's MMA between what happened on Friday at Invicta, what happened on Saturday at UFC 184. And when you talk about women's MMA, you, you can only really talk to one person. He is the number one voice, in my opinion, the number one authority when it comes to all things women's MMA. He's been covering this thing since before it was cool to do so. And I'm talking about my fellow Canadian, Robert Sargent of MMARising.com. He joins us now via the phone. Robert, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I am doing great. Great to have you back on the show. Again, when I think of women's MMA, I think of you, so I wanted to get your impressions on what happened this past weekend. Let's start with the main event, of course, the biggest fight of them all, Ronda Rousey defeating Katzengano in 14 seconds. Again, I think a lot of people thought Ronda would win, just not that quickly. Were you surprised by what Kat did? Do you think that was one of the most ill-advised way, ways to start a fight in the history of MMA, considering how dangerous Ronda can be? I, I think you could probably make a case for that because anything that's going to get the fight to the ground faster is obviously going to put a fight in uh, Ronda's game plan. So I don't think it was the wisest choice of moves. It's not how the I saw the fight playing out at all. I did think that Ronda would win, but probably second or third round submission. I, I, I've seen all of Kat's fights, and she's normally very aggressive, but not in that manner. So it was pretty surprising to me that she would initiate a clinch that quickly that would put her on the ground. Um, so, I mean, 14 seconds, it's just incredible what, what uh, Ronda is able to do. Someone said it perfectly, I think, on Saturday. You don't start the Super Bowl with a Hail Mary. And that felt like a Hail Mary. And Kat was saying all the right things leading up to that fight. She's not in my head. I'm not intimidated. And I believed her. But for her to start the fight that way, 
leads me to believe that she was in her head. When you're going to go out there and try to do something that drastic against someone that good, makes me think that you're not thinking about your game plan. You're thinking about how do I beat this person at her game? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's almost disappointing to see it play out like that because I was really excited to see that fight. And my heart goes out to her. She's been through so much. You saw the frustration, the disappointment on her face. Is that, is, that, is that the best way to describe it? She felt like, okay, look what all those other people did against Ronda. It doesn't work, so let me try to catch her by surprise. That's the only explanation I could think of. Yeah, and, and I mean, going for a quick finish, that's fine. Um, I mean, nobody wants to leave it to the judges, so the longer that you're in there, uh, the less chance you have of, of actually getting a fair deal out of it. So I completely understand why she rushed at Ronda, but strike, don't. Like, if you're going to rush forward, box. Um, don't be initiating anything where Ronda's going to be able to clinch you and throw you to the ground because, as you saw, that's the result. She can finish you in a matter of seconds. Um, so I don't fault Kat for being aggressive in the fight. That's always been her style, and that's what made her successful up until this point. But you, you can't play that game with Ronda, and anybody who's tempting fate like that, and you've, you've seen it before with the other opponents in the past, it's not going to work whether it's, two seconds into the fight or whether it's 10 minutes into the fight. It doesn't matter. You have to fight smart. And so far, the only one who's actually been able to have some success against Ronda was Misha Tate. And, and Misha Tate's normally regarded as a grappler, but she's been the only one who's been able to hang with Ronda on the ground. So I think Kat's strategy should have been to keep it on the feet for as long as possible and to try to wear Ronda down over time by... Yeah, it just didn't play out in her favor at all, as you saw. Was that finish so freakish that you would be okay with a a relatively quick turnaround for both of them in the sense that I, I don't think Kat's going to get an immediate rematch, but if she wins one or two more, would you be okay with seeing that again, or do you think she has to go all the way back down the ladder and work her way back up? No, I think it's okay if she beats a couple of top contenders. Like, no, I, I don't want to see her, like, uh, being fed UFC newcomers or anything like that. She She's fought her way up to the top and needs to stay there. Um, but if she wins a couple of fights against, like, top-level opponents, like, say she fights Sarah Kaufman and wins, mm-hmm. or she fights, like, a Jessica I and wins, or something like that, legit wins, absolutely. Um, I mean, Misha Tate had to go through the same thing, too. She actually lost at cap, but because of the injury, got put right back in the position. And some people weren't happy with that, but then as it played out, she, she gave Ronda her most competitive fight. So um, I, I wouldn't be upset with Kat getting another shot relatively soon, but I don't think she should have an immediate shot. She definitely has to win at least one or two fights first. One of my favorite pastimes these days is to call Ronda Rousey the Mike Tyson of MMA and piss off all those, all those people online who get so worked up over this, this comment, this title. <laughs> who I, I, I genuine, genuinely believe do not understand what I'm trying to say. It's like they didn't care when we were calling Tyrone Spung the Bo Jackson of combat sports. And when you consider it, I mean, Tyrone Spung has accomplished way less in those other sports uh, to, to be even in the same discussion as Bo Jackson, but they're okay with that. But for some reason, they, don't, they can't quite grasp the Mike Tyson thing because they're like, well, who's his Buster Douglas or who's her Buster Douglas or, 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 or where's her knockouts or, you know, he was a rapist. What I'm saying, and, and I want to see if you agree with me, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is there are some people, you pay money. If you pay money to watch a certain athlete fight or compete and you only get 14 seconds of action, you are going to feel cheated. But part of the appeal with Ronda is that you actually want to see history. You want to see the fight end as quickly as possible. And the only person in my lifetime that you know fit that description was Mike Tyson. When I, when I paid or, or sat down to watch him fight Peter McNeely or all these guys... 
I wanted to see those people get their head knocked off in a matter of seconds. And with Ronda, while you kind of feel like, man, I wish I could see her a little more, you feel like you're watching history. You feel like you're watching something special. Do you get where I'm coming from here, or am I crazy? No, I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I, and I think you're right that people are kind of missing the point there. They see that you're comparing two people who are obviously completely different individuals, but their careers do have a similar path, and that Mike Tyson was knocking everybody out in a matter of seconds, and yet people would flock to the arenas to watch him do yes. it. And it's the same thing with Ronda. Like, after she won, you didn't hear the crowd booing that they just witnessed a 14-second fight. They were all on their feet cheering. It's because she is that attraction. She has that same star power, just like Mike Tyson did. So in that regard, I think the comparison is completely legitimate. Um, it, it, it's not like you're comparing the two people together. You're yes. comparing how their careers have played out. And, and, and the way they are presented and the kind of attraction that they are. If Chris Weidman goes out and knocks out Vitor Belfort in 14 seconds, I, I think some people will be like, they'll start throwing things. You know, they'll, they'll be upset. But if you were there on Saturday, as I was, that crowd was not disappointed. At first, it was like, what the hell just happened? There was this mad scramble and it's over. But then you're like, she did it again. Three straight fights combined, a minute and 36 seconds. There's something there. Now, would I love to see her go on a little more? Would I love to see three, four minutes? Yeah, I, I, I'm jonesing for more here. But again, that almost feels like part of the, the hook. You know, they always want you to feel like you want more, right? That, that's part of trying to get people to pay $55, $60. So I was seeing some people today. I saw even Darren Ravel, the veteran reporter, saying that this is bad for the UFC. I think this is great. The more of this, the better. I feel like... Look, look at the crowd on Saturday, and that was a, a pretty weak card. Now, we don't know how many people bought tickets before all those injuries, but I feel like this only increases her appeal. This only increases that, that, that legend status that she currently occupies. Do you think this is good or bad for her in the long run? It's absolutely good. Uh, the UFC is in desperate need of stars right now, especially when some of their top draws have been hit with the PED scandals and things of that nature. So anytime they can have a fighter, male or female, who's dominant like this and is still bringing the crowds in. Like That's the key thing, is keeping the crowd interest. I don't think that the crowd is tuning out. Um, I think that the crowd is, is definitely still invested in Ronda, and you could see that on, on Saturday. So I don't think it's bad for the UFC at all. I, plus, she's arguably the biggest star they have, certainly one of them anyway, and is getting endorsement deals and movie roles and things like that. All of that brings more publicity to the UFC. So I definitely don't think it's a bad thing. Now, that might change, say, a year from now. Let's say that she's won two or three or four more fights and they've all been really quick and dominant and there's actually nobody left for her to fight. Well, then maybe, maybe things will have changed by then. Fans won't be interested in watching her compete. But for right now, they definitely are invested. So I think it's a really good thing. Yeah, and let's worry about that later. It's a great segue, though. Everyone wants to know what's next. And we'll get to the Chris Cyborg thing in a second, but I, I genuinely believe she is not next because of a whole bunch of factors. So let's talk about who's in the UFC right now. You have Betch Cohea, who I absolutely love. I love everything she's doing. If you haven't seen that picture by my colleague Esther Lynn of her on Saturday doing the, 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 the throat slicing thing, I mean, she is just such a character. Uh, she reminds me, if anyone's a pro wrestling fan of Victoria back in the day when she was this stalker-like character, just, just obsessed with Ronda Rousey. She flew from Brazil to LA just to be there in person. Poor her, she was there for a 14-second fight, but I think she did a lot of great PR work. And then you have Jessica I that Dana White was bringing up, saying that you know she wants that fight. Pers I'll, I'll weigh in here first, and I, I, I want to get your take very much so. I think you got to go with Betch because of the the four horsewoman gimmick thing. She's taken out two already. She has that stalkerish angle. She is undefeated. There's a lot to play with there. 
Do you agree, or do you think that you should go with a more, eh, I don't want to say established, but someone who can maybe sell the fight a little more, speaks English, all that stuff, someone like Jessica I. What, what do you think? Or is there someone that I'm not thinking of? No, I, I would agree. I, I think that should have the next uh, shot for basically all the reasons that you just listed there. Um, she's won legitimate fights in the UFC. She's hilarious and very <laughs> engaging with the, with the fans, which is awesome because that, again, brings people to care more about the fight. They get them more involved in it. Um, and then she's, she's nonstop campaigning for it. She actually wants to fight Ronda. There's lots of opponents or potential opponents who aren't ready for Ronda or don't want to fight her at, at this point. And Betch is like, I don't care. Give me the next one in, in the line. So I definitely think she should have the next shot. And I think it's good that you brought up Jess Guy and that Dana did as well because she's kind of been forgotten about and glossed over. I mean, whatever with the marijuana test aside, she still did win a fight against Sarah Kaufman, which is a pretty big deal because sure. Sarah Kaufman has been a top contender for years. So, But I she did lose to Alexis Davis, right? Away. She did lose to Alexis Davis. That's true, but uh, on, at the same time, Alexis Davis is also a fantastic fighter. Sure. I mean, Catherine Gano was a fantastic fighter and lost in 14 seconds to Ronda. Alexis Davis is a fantastic fighter, lost in 16 seconds to Ronda. You, you can't really judge them. I think I saw someone post this on Twitter yesterday about how a fans just writing off like the top level of female bantamweights as cans just because Ronda can beat them quickly. No, that's because Ronda is so good. It's not because her opponents are bad. It's because she figures out how to beat them quickly and efficiently. So now we have the, the Chris Cyborg issue. She won on Friday night. She defeated Charmaine Tweet. Ronda Rousey not impressed, very quick to remind us that she beat Charmaine Tweet very early on in her career. But Cyborg did what she had to do in front of Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta. I believe the first time they ever watched her live, she completely annihilated Charmaine Tweet. My issue with Cyborg is, look, it's all well and good. You're headlining Invicta. I was there. It's a nice little crowd. You're fighting, you know, midnight, 1 a.m. Eastern on Fight Pass. That's all well and good. I'm sure you're making a nice chunk of change. Why aren't you doing everything in your power to get down to 135 and get this fight tomorrow? Why are you being, uh, go up to one? It's clear we're not going up to 145. It's clear we're not going up to 140. You're with George Lockhart now, very well respected. Why aren't you campaigning for that fight? Are you okay with fighting on the regional scene or, or, or do you want to cement your legacy as the best? Her lack of desire to get this fight is puzzling to me. Look at Betch, what she's doing, and look at what Cyborg's doing. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's very strange how disinterested she seems to be in this fight. Am I off base here? No, I, I agree, too, because she was in that same situation last year and talking about how she was going to move down to 135, and then months rolled on and months rolled on, and then the injury that kept her out of the December card, and then all of a sudden she announces that, no, I can't make 135 anymore. It's like, okay, so that's, that's finished now. We've given up on that. But then leading up to the, both of these events this past weekend, all of a sudden there's talk of her making 135 again. It's like, pick one. Can you make 135 or can you not? You right. had a whole year to do test cuts, why did you not do those test cuts to see if you could make 135? You're not training for a fight. You're not going to have to go out there and fight Ronda. Just see if you can actually make 135. And from what I understood, uh, the July fight that's coming up is expected to be her defending her featherweight title at Invicta FC 13. So that's yet another fight. She's staying at 145. So even if she is able to fight Ronda, Dana has said repeatedly that he wants Cyborg to make 135 at least one time first. So we're looking at what, like a year from now, maybe they'll fight? Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a long time to wait. Fans lose interest pretty quickly in these super fights that have fizzled out over time recently. And so 
Uh, I, I think she, she's got to be doing everything she can to make 135 right now because that's the case where, unlike with Ronda, where fans are still interested, fans are rapidly losing interest in watching Cyborg destroy completely overmatched opposition that really has no business being in the cage with her. Yeah, and I think it's great that they're having her fight International Fight Week uh, July 10th before the big UFC 189 card, but I'm curious to see who they match her up with. Um, I hope it's not for the 145-pound belt. What I asked Dana about at the post-fight press conference, which he you know, gave me the runaround, was the deal that I heard that she had, which the UFC did help broker, was one fight at 145, then a 135-pound fight in Invicta, and then fight Ronda for the belt, 135 in the UFC. So I guess we'll know if that is still in play based on who she she gets in, in, in her next fight on July 10th. But I, I would love to see a little more motivation and desire on her part to get this fight because we keep banging that drum. If you don't want it, just let us know and we'll move on with our lives. It's, it's a very strange exactly. thing. The fact that she's teamed up with George Lockhart makes me think that she is thinking about it. She hasn't had that kind of person in her, in her camp, but let's see what happens. I want to ask you about the co-main event because that was a tremendous fight on Friday. Mizuki Inoue versus Alexa, Alexa Grasso and Dana White enamored with Alexa Grasso. Speaking about her, obviously, on Friday, going to the back to, to speak with her as well, talking about her at the, uh, the Welcome to the Show press conference, talking about her on the prelims on Fox Sports 1, and even mentioning her at the post-fight press conference. I believe it would be a very big mistake to not put her on that card in Mexico. Do you think she is ready for the UFC, and do you feel like they will put her on that card in Mexico? I hope they do. I definitely think she's ready to be in the UFC. I think Irene Aldana, her teammate, is also ready to be in the UFC at 135. Um, I've followed both of their careers since they were just starting out for the Extreme Combat promotion in Mexico. Um, that's where they both won titles and with highlight real knockouts. And so it, it's been interesting. Like, it's fighters that you see early in your career and you know that they're going to be going on to be something special. And I felt that way about both. And I think now, now that they're on the Invicta roster and they're getting a lot more fanfare and attention, especially with Dana watching, like, that's, that's a big deal. Um, I think that more and more people are starting to see the talent level that's coming up because for a while there it was kind of written off like there wasn't a lot of talent in Mexico, male or female. That's not actually the case. It's just a lot of un untapped talent. Not a lot of people know about them yet. Um, I definitely think that Alexa could hang with some of the top star weights in the UFC, possibly even be a champion within the next couple of years. And I think with some further development, Arena could uh, do the same thing at 135. They both have really good skill sets and uh, a lot of potential because it's still really early in their careers at this point. So I, I definitely think it would be wise for the UFC to add them to the Mexico card. I think they're, they're already big, fan, uh, big stars down there. So that'd be a pretty good addition to the card and then get both of them fights. And by the way, what's wrong with borrowing them? If they don't, for whatever reason, want to have them full-time or they're not ready, what's wrong with just putting them on that card and then sending them back to Invicta? It's not the minor leagues. They're a partner. I, I don't see why you can't have them on the card, but maybe, maybe I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm not giving enough respect to those contracts. A couple more things I want to ask you about, and then we'll let you go. Uh, let's jump back to the UFC. Holly Holm made her debut, much anticipated, much talked about debut. She defeated Raquel Pennington. I'm happy that we're pumping the brakes a little bit on her fighting Ronda Rousey, but overall, how would you assess her performance? I think it was fairly decent, but the fight did play out around how I expected. Uh, Raquel neutralized a lot of her offense on the feet. Like, Holly definitely landed some shots, but Raquel held her own and, and I thought pretty clearly won the third round. So I think, like you said, it's good that people are kind of 
halting the, the hype train a little bit here. One thing to note, though, is that Hawley wasn't the one who was campaigning for the immediate title shot with uh, Ronda. It was her management that was doing that. And so Hawley's been getting a lot of hate about, oh, you know, are you ready and stuff. She's been the one who's wanted experience all along. She's made it clear that she wanted to have a couple of fights before she got in there with Ronda. It was clear after Saturday night she needs those fights. And so she just needs to take a couple of progressive steps up, face someone maybe on the borderline top 10 for her next fight, then maybe get her up closer to a top five and then build her up towards a Ronda fight. That's that's a, a ways in the future. That should be probably three fights from now, I would say. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, like I said, a huge weekend for women's MMA. And one of the not really talked about moments, but also, you know, pertains to the subject we're speaking about that welcome to the show press conference it was fun there were some nice moments john jones and all that but maybe my favorite moment of them all and it had nothing to do with that fake brawl with john jones and rumble johnson was carla sparza and joanna young doing their little stare down and what joanna was doing with that you know she she likes to get down and look up at her opponent and then putting the number one up and then brushing aside all of a sudden i got way more excited for that fight that's coming up in two weeks what kind of a chance do you give the polish fighter well, I think she has a very good chance. Um, Carla is a fantastic wrestler, but Ioana is, is definitely one of the best strikers in the division. If she's able to keep the fight on the feet, and she does have pretty pretty decent takedown defense. Um, Claudia Gadella was able to get her down a few times, but Ioana's takedown defense is usually pretty solid. If she can keep the fight on the feet, she definitely has a legitimate chance of capturing the title. So it's definitely one of the fights that I'm looking forward to most as well. I think it's a really good matchup. Credit to Sean Shelby for building Yuana uh, uh, into a title contender like that. So I think that that's one of the most interesting fights on the card. Possibly a contender for your people's main event. We'll see. Oh, um, but, wow. But, Definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, there's a lot of big uh, big fights coming up for both the 115-pound division, 135. It seems like we're getting a little momentum now. That Poland card has a lot of great fights. It would have been fun if that fight was on the Polish card, but I can understand why Carla wouldn't want that. My final question to you is, because we have her coming up in around 20 minutes or so, Marion Renault, is she for real in your opinion? I think she is. I think she kind of proved that. Now, does that mean she's going to be put right into title contendership right away? No. Um, she obviously has to take steps up in competition, too. But Jessica Andrade is, is a very uh, skilled and talented fighter who's won some pretty good fights in the UFC. And Marion submitted her in less than two minutes. I mean, that's a very impressive feat to do. So I think that she is for real, but at the same time, you don't want to get caught up in like a hype train, sort of like the Holly Holmes situation. Fighters need to build and prove themselves over and over again before they're going to get into that title shot. So give her another step up. Like she can face someone who's, again, similar to the Holly Holm situation. Maybe give her someone who's on the fringe of the top 10, then a top five, something like that, and gradually build her up. But I think she's uh, a really engaging person. Uh, it's a cool story that she has. And so I think that that's helping to get fans invest in her fights as well. So the UFC definitely has a potential future star in their hands. They just have to build her up properly. Really love having you on the show, man. I know you had to move around a few things uh, to come on today, so I really, really appreciate that. He is the best in the business when it comes to all things women's MMA and just MMA in general. A tremendous mind when it comes to this great sport. Robert Sargent, check him out on Twitter, at MMA Rising, and also his great website, MMARising.com. Appreciate the time, Robert. Enjoy the weather over there in British Columbia, and we'll talk to you very soon.
Thanks very much, Ariel. All right, there he is, Robert Sargent, a fellow Canadian, dropping some knowledge on the women's MMA scene, a very big weekend for the ladies, and uh, it's fun to talk about it all. Let us go to the Skype machine now for our next guest. Uh, always excited to have this man on, one of the smartest minds in the business, my colleague at Fox Sports, the great Brian Stan joining us. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself, buddy? I'm doing great. We missed you in Los Angeles. I, I will say that. I missed uh, working with you and hearing your insight. And also, someone to keep Daniel Cormier in line. You know, we, we, we need your presence around for that. You know, there, there's not many people who can do that. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, when I'm able to do that, it's by his choice. I've sparred with the man a couple times. Let me tell you something. Uh, if he didn't want to do what I asked him to do, he, didn't, he wouldn't have to unless I'm, uh, unless I'm armed. Yeah, that is that is very true. Um, so since we didn't get your insight, let me ask you: 14 second win, Katzengano. Like I said, bum rushing Ronda Rousey. From a fighter's perspective, I'll ask you the same question I just asked our previous guest: Was that tremendously ill-advised on Kat's part? I mean, hindsight 2020, we could play Monday morning quarterback. But when you look at what happened, can you come up with any explanation as to why someone would do that before a great fight against Ronda Rousey? You know, I I think. If if I'm Kat Zingano and I'm her coaching staff and I look at this with a very honest eye, the only way for her to win that fight was to hit Rousey early and stun her mm. and then be able to follow up before she can recover and finish her. That's really, in my eyes, the only way to beat her is you're going to have to knock her out um, just because technically she's so much better than everybody else everywhere. You know, it's going to have to be a, a punch that hits her that just catches her in the right spot and gives you that puncher's chance of winning. So I think that's what Cat was looking to do. You know, catch her off guard, surprise her, hit her with a flying knee. It's not often that when you go for a flying knee, you end up in that kind of position. Yeah. You know, I think Cat should have been more conscious about trying, hey, if I don't land this, I want to be a distance away from her. So it's risky. But ultimately, I don't think that fight ends very differently. I think maybe the fight goes on for another minute or so before Ronda gets her hands on her puts her down, and then would literally in 30 seconds tap her out due to an arm bar. And, and it's not any insult to Kat Zingano, certainly not an insult to her coaches, because I'm a big believer in that camp. Um, but I, I said it, you know, when we previewed this fight a week ago, uh, when we were doing the Bigfoot Frank Mir fight, there's Ronda Rousey, and there's the rest of the division are down here. So, you know, you're, you're a, a recognized face in MMA, so I'm sure people come up to you all the time and want to talk about the sport. Do you get the sense from fans that they're like, you know what, I don't want to pay to watch these fights. It's fun to see a 14-second finish, but I'm going to try to get the replay afterwards online and, and just see the clip. Or do you think there's that appeal there to watching something historic happen, watch some kind of destruction a la a Mike Tyson fight? What, what, what do you hear from the fans who come up to you after these fights? You know, it's interesting you ask you that. So obviously, you know, I, I run a company that has absolutely nothing to do yeah. with mixed martial arts. I walk in the office this morning and three of my employees who have never done any kind of mixed martial arts, immediately want to ask me about Ronda Rousey. <laughs> so I will tell you that regardless of how long it takes her to win, she still moves a needle, and she still attracts a lot of attention, very much like Mike Tyson did. We all knew Mike Tyson was going to destroy somebody. We just wanted to make sure we didn't miss it. Yeah. And so well um, I'm sure there are many out there that were unhappy about paying the money to watch that kind of fight, but... Um, it is what it is, and I think that as long as Ronda Rousey continues to fight, she's going to have this tremendous aura and mystique around her as a woman who's just simply unbeatable. Well, I tell you, the Staples Center crowd did not seem disappointed. They seemed like they were excited about watching history. So uh, l l let's see how this builds for her. Would you say right now, though, that she is the biggest star in the UFC, given these reactions that you're getting? 
You know, it, it's interesting. I don't think I could say she's the biggest star, okay. but I would I would definitely say she's top three. Who's bigger? Um, Who's bigger in your opinion? Ah, well, you know, that's a great question. You know, I mean, John Jones has to come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Anderson still uh, still still draws a tremendous crowd. Um, but you bring a great point. I, I really hadn't thought about that in, in the last few days. So there are still people that, that people will ask me about, and that's kind of how I use to measure. What, what Who do normal people ask about? But that's a hard argument to make. I mean, with her being in now the swimsuit yeah. edition of Sports yeah. Illustrated, that's huge. You know, she's on every talk show that really means something, late-night talk show, she's on it. I mean, any major media, she's gotten it. So it's hard to argue against the fact. Maybe she is the biggest star. You're the one who introduced me to uh, George Lockhart, who I've been talking about for the last few weeks. He is now working with Chris Cyborg, among many others. I saw him this past weekend. Cyborg, great win, annihilated Charmaine Tweet. And now everyone wants to see that fight, and rightfully so. Everyone thinks that's her her, her toughest test, right? What is George telling you about the prospects of Cyborg going down to 135, and what do you think? Do you think this can happen, and do you think we'll see the fight? I think it can happen. She can make the weight. Uh-huh. And if, if, if George thinks she can make the weight, then she can make the weight. He can get her there. However, there's a difference from somebody being able to make the weight and, and, and still being able, and of course, I'm hearing that she will still be as physical and able to compete at the high level by doing so. Um, but then there's a commitment in that person. There's a lot of other coaches involved. You know, your nutrition coach, you know, George in the pecking order of all of her coaches is is not at the top. You know, he's very new to her camp. So I think a lot of things need to fall in place for her. And it's a lifestyle in order to make that weight. You know, we already saw her post a picture. She's back up to 175. Yeah. That's fine. You know, you could have about a week of fun. But then it's a lifestyle commitment. If you're going to make 135 someday and you're going to challenge for that title, you can't blow back up to 175. You're talking about maybe blowing back up to 165 and, and living a very clean lifestyle in terms of what you put into your body and a fitness level that you're going to maintain year-round. So uh, I think she can make the weight. I'm not sure if we will see the fight mm. um, because I don't know her personally. I don't know what her dis- – it's going to take a tremendous amount of discipline and commitment to do that from her and every trainer she has. I honestly am starting to get the impression she doesn't want the fight. I don't know why she doesn't want to go down to 135. If someone truly wanted it, she would do whatever it took. I mean, look at Ronda. When she went down to 135, she never made it before. She wanted to beat Misha Tate. She wanted that title. She did what it took. I'm not seeing that from Chris, and it's a little disappointing. I want to ask you about a man you know very well, Jukau, Juan Carnero. How about that? What a story, right? Released from the UFC many moons ago, coming back, tremendous win. You must have been happy for your old friend, right? You know, I was. It's tough, though, man, because uh, you you hear a lot of rumors and you hear a lot of things about how good a guy Mark Munoz is. Yeah. And they're all true. I mean, he he is. And so I have a relationship with Mark. And that was tough. When I heard that matchup come up, it it was a good matchup for Jukau. You know, seeing as he was trying to get in the UFC at all costs and to get a matchup like that where there was an injury and get that much notice to fight the person where he got a full training camp in. I think it was huge. And the, the thing with Jukau that's always been the factor for people that know us is he is a monster in the room in practice, hmm. a monster. And he never cut the weight properly to get down to 170 pounds. He cut it old-fashioned. He did it all in one day. He greatly depleted himself and, and his confidence. He was never mentally strong in the octagon because it's not about who the better fighter is. I mean, trust me, there's a lot of guys in the gym that would have worn UFC belts if they were fighting for a belt in the gym. It's about who fights best at that moment, at that night. And I think finally, 
fighting at 185 where he didn't have this huge weight cut and, and the maturity of all the years and the things he's been through, he finally was able to put it all together. I will also say this. Mark Munoz fell right into the last two places I would ever want to be with Jacal. Mm. You never want to be in a front headlock with him, and you never, ever, ever want to let him have your back. If he gets your back, the fight's over. I've never seen a guy that he, whose back he's taken that he wasn't able to finish his jiu-jitsu is just that good. There's nothing worse, in my opinion, than seeing a great fighter stick around a little too long, and then you start to see a shell of their former selves. You, you laid it out perfectly. You said, you know what? The, the, there's no point. I, I, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to get hurt. I might as well go out you know, with my health intact, my family. Every, you know, is it, there's just no point sticking around. Not everyone can do that. Maybe not everyone is set up for the future quite like you. But when you see Josh Koscheck and Munoz in those situations, it hurts, right? I'm sure it's, it, it makes you think about your situation. It does. It does. Look, I watch the fights alone Saturday night. And anytime I rarely do it, anytime you, a retired fighter watches them alone, yeah, you it makes you miss it. Uh. You don't have anybody to distract you to have a good time with. You, you really miss it. And um, Josh Koscheck has a lot of things going for him financially. He'd be the first to tell you that. He invested in a lot of real estate, all kinds of different things. I don't think he needs to be doing it. He wanted to give it a shot one more time. Um you know, for Mark, it's a tough scenario. I don't want to see him fight anymore. I think he's been knocked out a few too many times, and I think he runs the risk. You know, having met people with CTE, having met people with traumatic brain injuries in the military, you can see what it does to their quality of life moving forward, and you just don't want to see that for someone you care about. And I think that uh, in knowing Mark and knowing people that train with him, he could, if he wants to, go on to be one of the most successful coaches in mixed martial arts if he chooses to do so, or when he chooses to do so. Naturally so, uh, a story that hasn't been discussed in the aftermath of UFC 184, but deserves our attention, because we talk about it all the time, and you talk about it when it's, it's a bad story, but you got to talk about when good things are happening. How about Andy Foster and the California State Athletic Commission? Urine and blood testing every single fighter on that card Saturday night, out of his own pocket, and even doing a lot of random testing prior to the Chris Cyborg fight and also the main event, UFC 184, that's pretty amazing stuff and, and needs to be applauded, right? It certainly is. It's no surprise either. You know, Andy's had this reputation for a long time. I've never met him personally, but he was, you know, he was in the state of Georgia. Yep. And then California stole him from us. I, <laughs> I live in Georgia. Andy Foster was a Georgian and he ran our athletic commission. And he was so good that, that California needed him. And, and look, California needed him more than we did. There's a lot more events taking place there. Not surprising. You know, he's a man of character. He's a man of values. And, and that's the stance he's going to take. Um, and, and it's tough. You know, when, when you get to know and get discussions with some of these athletic commissions, you see how small their budgets yeah. are. That is a big hit to his, his annual budget for him to do it out of pocket himself. So good on California for doing so. I've been wanting to ask you this uh, since the press conference happened, but what were your impressions of that press conference? Dana White, Lorenzo Fertitta, Lawrence Epstein sitting there announcing their plans to clean up the sport come July 1st, random out-of-competition testing. Would have loved to have heard who they'll be linking up with. I know you have a relationship with USADA. But overall, I mean, in your opinion, was it like, all right, the devil's in the details here. I really want to hear more. Do you think that was a, a proper first step? Well, I think they had to say something. Right? Yeah. They had to get out in front. I mean, there was a lot of negativity surrounding their brand in the sport. So they had to come out and say something. And, and now diving into some of those details yeah. and, and being in some of their conversations, you know, just kind of consulting as a fighter, some of the meetings and conference calls, the devil in the details is astronomical. 
there is a lot to putting together a program of this magnitude. So I think that their timeline at July 1st is extraordinarily aggressive. Hmm. Um, and, and I mean, look, we've never seen this before. You know, Golden Boy, all the other major combat sports promotions, they've never gone out on the limb and said, hey, we're going to do our own testing program. You know, this sport is very young, and I was very happy to hear that they're going to do it. Um, and now starts a lengthy process. You know, do you go with a third party to conduct everything, or do you go with a third party for the collection? You know, the hard part is, is if you're going to go with the WADA code, and now you have a four-year ban for one positive test, can that hold up in court? You know, because this is an international sport. you got fighters from all over the place, and if they get banned four years from a U.S.-based company, what's going to stop them from going to a promotion out in Japan and fighting? Um, you know, and, and, and what about... Uh, linking it up with the athletic commissions. Are they going to stand by any protocols put forth by the UFC? So, I mean, there, there is a tremendous amount of logistics involved in this. And, you know, you can easily download baseball's drug testing program. And they're considered, amongst all the major sports in the U.S., they're considered to have the best program. And it's still at like a BB plus level. Mm-hmm. It's not even at an A level. And if you read that thing and you look at all the different levels, the committees they have involved, they've got a lab but yet they have a different third-party company that does the collection. Um, they test for HGH during spring training, not during these timing. I mean, it's really, really difficult and how you put it all together. And so right now, uh, they are turning a lot of attention away from promoting fights and becoming drug testing experts. And so I, I'm very hopeful. I think that the intent is there. I think they've already done a lot more drug testing than they have in the past. Mm. And I think that if by July 1st they can put together even just the beginnings of a solid program, I think that that's going to be great for the sport with the intention of perfecting it over time. You bring up a tremendous point about the athletic commissions. It's hard enough to get these these commissions to get on the same page about rules and things of that nature. North America only, forget about the world. You honestly believe like they are biting off more than they can chew. In our sport, given the way it is structured, it's going to be impossible to get all these organizations, all these commissions on the same page it's going to be really difficult to do it, you know, and the, the easy thing to do is to go into the water code, right? And mm-hmm. that's the easiest thing to do. Sign with a party that will do everything. They'll collect it. They'll send it to the lab. They'll do all your arbitration. Um, with that comes a lot more cost, but at the same time, you know, the water code is really, uh, it's designed for Olympic style sports. You know, the, that's the reason why there's a four year ban. It takes you out of an entire cycle of the Olympics, right? You know, in our sport, someone gets banned for four years. Now you're going to tell that person that they don't have the right to make a living for four years. You know, that's going to be hard to uphold in different courts in different countries and, and where some of these men and women want to fight. So you're absolutely right. It's tough. I think it is definitely possible. Um, you know, speaking to some experts um, from all kinds of different organizations, it is, it is very possible to either go all-inclusive with a third-party agency or to develop their own internal program. Um, but, but there's a lot of small steps along the way that have to be done right to make sure that it's fair to the fighters. Because even when someone does test positive, look, this isn't a perfect world. The testing procedures, the collection procedures, all that has to be perfect to make sure that that, that sample is tested properly. And then there's the arbitration when, when someone wants to argue against their case. So there's a lot of details that have to go into it. Um, and I'm anxious to see what those details are. I'm anxious to to assist in whatever way I can 
to get this right for the sport and, and to see what they're able to come up with. Will you assist? Have they have they asked you to do so? I, I've been doing some, yes. Oh, wow, that's um, great. So I've been consulting a little bit with them, um, just going through some meetings and, and giving some different perspectives and maybe connecting them to, to some other agencies. And, uh, you know, just, just happy to see the commitment there yeah. from the UFC leadership because, again, you know, it's really unprecedented, you know, in, in terms of combat sports, someone coming out this aggressively and saying they want to do it. Um, and, and it's just it's just not a simple thing to do. And, and I once, you know, look, when I was a fighter, I thought it was a lot easier than what it really was. When you start diving into the details to see all the steps that have to be done correctly, um, and you can see the major investment of time to putting forth a, a very good all-around program. And their goal, no doubt about it, their goal is to put forth the best program you know, in all professional sports. I love what you said on the post-fight show last week. And by the way, you and Michael Bisping were great together. Who would have thunk it? The former opponents having some chemistry on the, uh, on, on the desk. But you were talking about, you know, after Frank Mir wins, everyone's like, oh, Frank Mir's back, and I want to see this, I want to see that. And you were kind of saying, like, look, he came back, he won. Maybe now's the time to walk away. This is the perfect time to walk away. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but I love the fact that you were the realist of, of, of the entire MMA community. It felt like, okay, wow, on TV, you would expect someone in your position to start, you know, wow, pom-poming and saying that, you know, we, I want to see this fight and that fight. No, no, you were saying this is the time to walk away. But I want to ask you, but Saturday night, Look who shows up at UFC 184, one of the greatest negotiators of all time. Big Brock Lesnar shows up. Of course, yeah. his contract is coming to an end in WWE, and there he is in attendance at the Staples Center. Now, now that I tell you, okay, Brock might be considering coming back. Do you want to see that third fight, or do you still think Frank should walk away? Uh, you know, <laughs> not knowing what's inside of Frank. Sure. You know, for me personally, I, I don't care to see the fight. Okay. I've been watching Frank Mir fight for, for years. I've been admiring his technique and some of the things he's been able to pull off. You know, he's had an incredible career. He's got two UFC belts up on his mantle at home. Um, he's got a gorgeous family, and, and he's just done it all. So um, I, I don't see the need for him to go in there and potentially get hit anymore. But, look, I'm obviously um, I'm overly cautious when it comes to this. I've been very outspoken. I think fans can tell that. Uh, but when you've done all there is to do, that it's just it's just time to get out. There's never going to be a time where the drive isn't there as a fighter. There's not. And there's never going to be a time when you're retired that you don't watch the fights, you hear the intro, you hear Baba O'Reilly, and you don't wish you could make that walk one more time. You'll never miss it more than when you're retired. I don't care. You know, you miss it when you're injured and you don't get the chance to fight in a long time or you have a long layoff. It's never going to hurt more than when you're retired. But that's part of the transition. You know, and you have to go through that because this simply is a sport that you just can't do forever. And if you try to do it forever, there are lifelong repercussions that, that you're going to endure. And so for Frank Mir, I just I just don't if, if it's not fighting for the title, if he no longer believes he can be the champion of the UFC, then forget about it. Get get out of it. You know, go back to holding a microphone like I do. People love his thoughts on the sport. Um, he's an expert in so many areas of, of this sport and he's a two time champion. Why bother? One of the very best in the business. Brian, proud to call you a colleague. You're doing tremendous work not only on Fox, but also HireHeroesUSA.org. That's where you can learn more about the business that uh, Brian was uh, alluding to earlier. Thank you so much for the insight. Really appreciate the time, and always great to have you on the show. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, buddy. Have a good one. There he is, Brian Stan. Love having him on. Great stuff there. Always speaks the truth. Great to have him on. And... Uh, 
really appreciate him. You know, he doesn't, you know, when, you, when you're on the, the, the Fox Sports post-fight show, when you're recapping just minutes later after, you know, a, a huge win like that for Frank Mir, it's easy to get caught up in the moment, get intoxicated by the moment. But he was like, hey, this is the perfect time. Of course, that's not going to happen. And how about Brock Lesnar showing up in a three-piece suit on Saturday night? Tremendous stuff. I mean, the guy, I saw him with my eyes. I thought I just saw Sasquatch. And what timing? I don't know if this was uh, if this was done on purpose or not, but what timing on his part to show up right before his old pal Tony Ferguson was about to walk out. Of course, Tony Ferguson was on Team Brock Lesnar and won the Ultimate Fighter. I think it was Ultimate Fighter Season 13 memory serves me correct, and he just shows up right as Tony Ferguson's about to walk out. They hug, they embrace. Tony goes out, defeats Gleison Tebow, and I even asked him about it in the post-fight interview, and he was referring to Brock Lesnar as coach. Gotta love Tony Ferguson. And uh, Brock shows up, of course, we spoke about it on the post-fight show with Dave Meltzer. He knows it all when it comes to that stuff, saying that there was some kind of disagreement with Vince McMahon. His contract is up around WrestleMania, He's been flirting with the idea. From what I hear, he's, he's, he's interested. But Brock does it better than anyone when it comes to that stuff. He just magically appears. Oh, I, I just so happened to be in the neighborhood. The guy lives like on a farm in Saskatchewan. He doesn't even have his own cell phone. He has to drive four miles to get to a, a landline. And he just so happened to be at Staples Center on Saturday night. Rocking a sweet-ass three-piece suit. Talking to Dana White. Great job by Dave Schaller getting that picture. And now all of a sudden, here he is in the MMA space once again. Will he sign? Who knows? Is he, uh, is he negotiating? Absolutely. But will they get him? Man, I would throw the world at him. I would throw the world. That third fight would do incredible business. Brock being back just raises everyone's game. A huge, a megastar. He would be the face of the UFC right then and there. Do they get him? I don't know. He's interested. That's what I'm told. But is he actually going to come... It's probably easier being a wrestler and not getting punched in the face and having to create a team again and a training camp, all that stuff. But, hey, as our friend Rampage Jackson, who appears to be in some kind of legal trouble legal trouble as well, we'll get to that later on, as he once said, the cheddar makes it better. So we'll see. For now, let's go back to the Skype and welcome in our next guest of the day. We spoke about her with our good friend Robert Sargent. She is taking the women's bantamweight division by storm. She's 2-0 now in the UFC, coming off a huge win over Jessica Andrade around eight days ago. That was in Brazil. I'm talking about Marion Renault. Marion, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly. The Belizean bruiser. That's right. Did I say <laughs> Belizean correct? You did say it correct. Okay, so I want to know, and there's a lot to get to here, but... Eight days removed from a very big win for you. Fox Sports won. The, the ratings were tremendous. How has life changed for you? It hasn't changed at all. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually here back at work. I start my training up again on Monday. I took some time off for a little bit of R&R. I've been going from one camp to the next to the next. So I took about four or five days off, and I'll start my training up, but nothing else changed. Wait, when you say you're back at work, do you mean the school that you work uh -huh. at? I am. I'm in my office. Wow, that's amazing. Now, you're a physical education teacher, right? Correct. For, for what, what grades? High school. High school. All, all grades through, in high school? Nine through Holy yeah, moly. All you grades, must... nine through 12. And what school? I'm here at Farmersville High School. And, and how do the kids react to you? Because these are kids that understand. You're not talking about five or six-year-olds. We're talking about teenagers here. They must know what you do, right? 
they know what I do. They Google me, <laughs> they post, and they even tell me, Miss Renault, you're trending. And at first I didn't know what the heck that was. I'm like, somebody explain trending to me. <laughs> and um, they're pretty excited. They're, and they're very supportive. Them, their family, and even my administrators and teachers, they're just all ecstatic for me. I came home. Um, I came back to my office, and my office was full of posters wow. of congratulations and stuff like that. So it was pretty gnarly. You're like the real, uh, the real life here comes to boom, but you're actually winning. <laughs> well, I think he did win 50 grand, so oh, I think did. we both are kind of similar to that. That is true. So um, you, you fought on Sunday. When do you come back to school? How many days off do you take? I didn't take any days off. I actually... Uh, well, what do you mean? Before my fight or... After the fight. Like, how long before you come back to school and get the hero's welcome? <laughs> I came back Tuesday wow. um, from Brazil, and I went to work on Wednesday. And, and, and the kids, I mean, what's their initial reaction? Are they jumping up and down? Because they have to be respectful. You're their teacher, after all. You're not their buddy. So how do they receive you? They're, they've always been respectful. They received me very well. In fact, they surprised me with a little mini uh, rally outside during break time for me. Wow. They were super proud, you know, because I've been telling them for the longest time, you're going to see me in the UFC, you know, and I've been saying this for the past couple of years now. And they're like, okay, Miss Renault, okay. <laughs> and then when I finally did it, they were like, oh my God, you did exactly what you said you were going to do. So uh, I think that's, I, I like that part because I told them I spoke it and I, I was determined and now I'm doing it. And so they're pretty excited for me. Do you, do you feel like they look at you a little differently? They think you're a little cooler now that you actually are in the UFC as opposed to when you were the, <laughs> the, 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 the fighter with the big eyes dreaming of being in the UFC? It's funny. I think it's surreal to them. I, I do have a couple of times when I'm standing in class and I'm talking to the class and, and one, one or two people will be like, I can't believe my teacher is a UFC <laughs> fighter. I can't believe you were on TV. You're like famous, you know, and I'm just like, no, I miss Renault and we still do in workout. <laughs> yes, I love it. And yeah. now you have a 12-year-old son, right? He actually turned 13 oh. in January. Okay, well, happy birthday to him. How does he react to all of this? I mean, he knows what's going on. What's, what's his take on all of this? He's proud of me. Uh, every time I go to a fight or every time I have a fight, he writes me a little note saying how proud he is of me. Now go win the fight. <laughs> um, I don't post it or anything, but I do keep the notes. They're very special to me. He's excited. His friends, they're like, oh, my God, your mom is a UFC fighter, <laughs> you know? And I think that's kind of cute. He, he secretly is proud of me, but he's been living this lifestyle for a very, very long time. So he's used to the fight game, but now the UFC thing... You know, it, he does get nervous for me. Um, in fact, he's like, Mom, my stomach doesn't feel good right before you <laughs> fight. And I'm like, it's okay, babe. It's called nerves. Yeah. Mama's stomach is doing the same thing. <laughs> do, you, do you let him watch your fights live? I do. Okay. I do. If he wants to watch them, he can. Um, I took him to one of my fights. He didn't, he didn't really want to be there. Um, so I won't take him again unless he really wants to go. Um, I like the fact that he gets to watch it if he wants to, or he can walk out of the room if he needs to. Do you think he will fall in your footsteps and become a fighter as well? Do you want him to do that? I want him to do whatever he wants to do. Right now, he is set on being an Olympic swimmer. Nice. He's a very tall guy. He's really natural at it. I don't know where he gets it from because mama don't know how to swim, don't <laughs> like to swim. I like the edge of the pool. But 
he he wants to be an Olympic swimmer. So I'm, I want him to push in, and go in that direction because he wants it. I, I joked earlier, has your life changed? You said no. But to get two UFC wins in the, in the span of, what, a month and a half, you made your debut, uh, UFC 182 in, in January, and then you returned last week. I mean, is it a little surreal that all this is happening so quickly in the sense that I know it's not happening quickly, your career, you've, you've been trying to, to get here for a long time, but to be 2-0 already in the span of a month and a half, that's kind of a, that's kind of a quick you know, change for you, right? I mean, that's a little surreal, right? It is because I was at a point where in my career where I wasn't able to get fights. So now that I am able to get fights and, and two fights with the UFC, the top dog, the top of the food chain kind of UFC, you know, it's, it's surreal to me. It is. Um, but I'm embracing it. I'm embracing it. And, and my mentality is, you know, th that's just one fight. Okay, that was just another fight. My bigger picture is shooting for the top, obviously, is, is going as far as I can for as long as I can. So I don't try to harp on those two victories. I want to move on to something else. I want to better myself. I don't want to focus on those or stay in the limelight of that. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I happened to run into a couple of your teammates on Friday at the Invicta show. I mentioned to them that you were going to be on my show uh, today, and I was very excited about that. And they mentioned to me that you were actually considering quitting. You couldn't get any fights. You just thought that the career just wasn't going the way you wanted it. Is that true? And how long ago was that? Uh, it wasn't very long ago at all. In fact, oops, oh, are you still there? Yes, but you, you flipped on us. Now you're, uh, vert oh, there we go. Yep, that's cool. Oh, now we lost you again, but we can still hear you, so that's okay. Hold on. Okay. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, it's absolutely true. I actually, at one point, wanted to quit, and I was just at a point where I was just like, okay, I'm working out. I'm, I'm missing time with my son. Uh, I'm putting a lot of effort in. I'm getting fights, but they're backing out last minute, and I was just to a point where I was like, you know, maybe this is not the place I want to go. Maybe it's just not meant to be. So... At one point, I wanted to do just jiu-jitsu. I was like, okay, maybe I should just focus on jiu-jitsu tournaments, you know, really try to get good at jiu-jitsu, get sponsorships for jiu-jitsu. Um, but my coach was stronghold. He's like, no, you're not quitting. No, you're not going to happen. And he was on the, the bandwagon. He was jumping on fights and stuff like that. Sorry for the announcement. Oh, no problem. What's the announcement, by the way? I haven't been in a high school in a while. What are we, what are we announcing right now? Uh, they just wanted somebody in the office. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, so we hear about this story all the time, but I've never actually heard you tell the entire story. So uh, forgive me if I'm asking, you know, once again, but I I'd love to hear it. So you were turned down from Tough 18, right? They said you were too old. Correct. Is that the story? Tell us what happened there. And was it Dana White himself that said this to you to your face? No, I didn't really speak to Dana. I, I met him the first day when he was there watching the grappling part of the session. Um, I actually made it through the first day, through the interview. And then the next day, I got a call from Sean Shelby. And all through the interview, they were kind of like, well, you know, you're 36, you're on the cuspid. And I was like, I know, but I'm like, fine wine, I get better <laughs> with age. You know, I kept trying to encourage them, like, don't look past my age. I'm an athlete. you got to trust me on this, you know. Um, unfortunately, I got a call the next day from Sean. Um, and he was like, you know, we want you to get a couple more fights. We want to see where you are with it. Um, and, and you are kind of on, on the cusp of the age thing. So we're going to kind of play around with it just a little bit. And that was my goodbye. Mm. Um, so I don't hold it past him. In fact, it, it was probably a good thing looking back at it. I, maybe I wasn't ready yet. Maybe my dots weren't lined up. Maybe, you know, I needed to improve a little bit more, mature a little bit more. So um, I'm kind of happy that it worked out the way it did. 
How did you react to it back then? Were, were you heartbroken? Did you not watch the show? What, what, what did you... Oh, I watched the oh, show. Oh, you did? You did? You <laughs> cursed them yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I could beat her. You know, you know, I was doing one of those things. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I watched the show. I was very disappointed. I came home. Um, I even remember speaking to one of my administrator, um, and she was like, you know what? Don't give up. Don't give up. She was, like, rooting for me, and I'm like, I'm not giving up yet. You know, at that time, I hadn't decided on whether I was or going to quit or not. Um, so I didn't give up. Now, my memory might be off, but I seem to remember that they taped it around the summertime. Would you have had to miss any time at school if you if you did the show? No? None. I would have been off on summer vacation. Wow. What timing? Because yeah. ha had it been, say, in January, February, would you not have tried out? No, I still would have tried out. Oh, and they would have been I, okay? I, I got the blessing. Yeah, I've got the, I got the blessing from my administrator to do it. So... Um, they, they're all in my corner. They want to see me succeed. Um, the school wants to see, I've been here for 11 years, um, and they're very proud of me. So they want to see me succeed. They want to see me continue on. Is the goal to be a full-time fighter or do you like having these two jobs? I don't mind it right now. I'm not making any rash decisions just yet. Yeah. So I want to kind of see where, and where everything leads, you know, before I say, okay, yay, I get to quit my job, you know, that's 11 years. So I'm, I'm very cautious on that. You were at UFC 184, right? I was there, yes. You were there. You saw it in person. You saw what Ronda Rousey did to Katzengano. Seeing her in person, knowing what she can do, knowing how great she is, not trying to push you in there, but in your mind, how far away do you think you are from being in that discussion? Hopefully you know, one or two more fights. Oh, that's Hopefully it. I'm you're you're ready. Session. I have been in my mind mentally preparing for that fight for a very long time. You know, it, it's one of those things where you just think about it. I know everybody in all the females have thought about it. Everybody has thought about that number one spot and who they would have to go against. And they've thought about what they would do. So I'm not, I'm no different. I'm no different. What did you think when you saw what Kat did to start the fight? Oh, man. I was like, I just, I, in my head, I was like, no, what are you doing? Um, and then before you know it, I didn't even get to finish my sentence and it was over. Right. So there's a part yeah, of you. Kinda I, unfortunate. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I know everyone wants to beat Rhonda because you want to be the one to beat her. But you have to feel bad for Kat, right? I mean, my heart goes out to her. It was heartbreaking to see her afterwards and, and just seeing, you know, she's been through so much. And, and you know that she is better than that and she can last longer than that. Of course, you make that one mistake and it's over. But does your heart go out to her even though she's a competitor? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, I mean, even though I'm a competitor, I still want to see a good fight. The yeah. fans want to see a good fight. You know, we want to see a display of, of all the hard training that you just put in. So my heart did kind of go out for her go out to her but the person who makes the biggest mistakes is going to end up losing and unfortunately that was a huge mistake on her part um, and I know she realizes it now so we'll see what happens I, I've heard that you know they might want to give her a rematch um, so we'll see where that goes are you happy with Ronda Rousey as the face of women's MMA the ambassador for all of you guys I mean do you, you feel like she is the right person to lead the charge I don't see any problem with it at all. Okay. You know, I think she's doing she's doing a good job. I mean, she has her isms, her Ronda isms. <laughs> yes. Um, but everybody has their isms, and she just happens to be in a public 
uh, be a public figure, so her isms are out there a little bit more than everybody else's. And it was a tremendous weekend for women's MMA with the Invict on Friday, and then of course 184. And and I saw on your Twitter, you're kind of on the same page as me here. Uh, without Gina Carano, nothing, none of this is possible, right? It would have been cool if she was there and, and got you know honored or something. But she's the one that made you want to become a fighter, correct? She is absolutely the person that I saw, the first person I saw, and I was like, that is who I want. That is what I want to do. She is getting paid to hit people in the face. Yeah. Who, how can I do that job? <laughs> Have you ever met her? Oh, yeah, she kind of inspired me. No, I think I, I, I would love to meet her. Yeah. You know, hopefully I bump into her one day and I'll just hug her. I'll just be a big old hug. Yeah. I'm like, who I, is I, this girl on me? <laughs> <laughs> she is a pioneer. I, I'd love to see her around more to where we can. I don't want to see her fight anymore. I don't want to see her fight Rhonda. She's been away for too long. She deserves to be treated as a pioneer, even a Hall of Famer. She's done so much for women's MMA. Um, she deserves that kind of respect. My final thing for you, and I'll let you get back to school. Do you know what's next? You're coming off two great wins. Do you know when you'll return in against two? Break some news for us. Well, I don't have any news to give you, okay. unfortunately. Um, I've been told possibly during the summertime, which is great. It would be perfect sure. for me. Um, there's a lot of other fights lined up for other females. So I don't know what's next for me, but they are trying to shoot for the summertime, which works out great because I'm off during the summertime. Anyone you want? Anybody in the top 10. How about Holly Anybody Holm? in the top 10. What do you think of Holly Holm? I'll I would take Holly home. Yeah? Were you impressed? I would take her at mm. <laughs> um, I think she's capable of a little bit more, is mm. what I would say. I, I, I think being on such a big stage for her debut um, might have gotten to her, like Dana said. Yeah. But I think she's capable of a lot more, so... I feel I'll like, leave it at that. I feel like that could be the fight, and, and very PC answer on your part. I feel like that could be the fight for both of you. That I think that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Her, Jessica, I, oh. um, Beth, you know, any one of those ladies, you know, they don't have a fight coming up. So, you know, any one of those ladies could be a possibility as well. You don't want the slow build. You want to get right in there with the, the big sharks. Why not? Yeah, I love why it. Why not? Yeah. No so time to not? waste. I, yeah, exactly. You've wasted enough time. I'm not getting time. any younger. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> okay, I'm going to call Sean Shelby and let him know. Please do. He should be watching this, he wa right? He watches all the time. He's our biggest fan. He's always. He's probably texting me right now. He loves our show. Um, well, this is tremendous stuff. I, I, I wish you the best. Congratulations on, 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 on a great, a tremendous start to your UFC career, one of the great stories of 2015. Enjoy your time at school with the, with the kids. Tell them I say hello, and uh, good luck in your next fight. I hope they give you one of those big fights. I think, why not? Why not now, right? Why not you? Exactly. You know, it, it'll all come into play. All the dots are going to be lined up when they need to be lined up. So I truly believe that. Thank you very much for the time, Marion. All the best to you. All right. You guys have a good one. There she is. Marion Renault. Great stuff from her. Like I said, one of the fun stories, one of the feel good stories of this of this year so far. We're only a couple months in, but uh, right now she is she is rolling six and one overall. Defeated Alexis Dufresne. At UFC 182, that was a fun fight, a dominant performance. Unanimous decision, and then she submitted Jessica Andrade via triangle choke in just a minute and 54 seconds. Amazing. So best of luck to her. Looking forward to what's next. All right, let us move along now. Uh, as I mentioned, one of the big stories of this past week happened on Thursday. Prior to Bellator 134, the organization announced that on June 20th in St. Louis, 
one of the most talked about, most anticipated fights in UFC, excuse me, in MMA history, I apologize, in MMA history that never came to fruition will finally happen June 20th in St. Louis. It's Kimbo Slice versus our guest at this time, the one and only, the most dangerous, the world's most dangerous man, Mr. Ken Chamrock, who joins us right now. Ken, how are you? Good, man. Thank you for the introduction, and thank you for having me on. Well, it is a pleasure, as always, Ken, to talk to you. Um, how, how long has this been in the works for, this fight? Uh, it actually came up pretty quick. Uh, I had already had uh, some ventures with Bare Knuckle Box and saw an opportunity there to, to uh, you know, maybe jumpstart a, uh, a something that has uh, got a lot of interest. And as I was doing that, uh, I had this opportunity that was dropped in my lap. Of course, we, we, we definitely put out our feelers when I heard that Kimball was going to Bellator. Uh, we shot our name out there as, as, a, as, a, as an opponent possible opponent would love to have that fight if they would uh, if they would accept it and of course Scott Stoke jumped all over when we had uh, put our feelers out and uh, since that time uh, it's been uh, a, a, an actual pleasure uh, to be working via Palm Spike GP and okay okay Scott Stoker and Bellator it's, it's been a tremendous uh, journey it's been a short one but I see this thing as uh as a potential um, journey for at least another year uh, for myself. I'm very excited about it. So is this an exclusive deal, those bare-knuckle fights, they're not happening? Uh, no, they're happening. Uh, I have uh, really an opportunity there to, to uh, help read the life in something that I think people want to see and have fun like time. Uh, but the thing that I think that uh, we need to keep in mind here is that there is a lot of people in this world and these people all uh, love to be entertained different ways. And it seems like uh, we have a huge amount of, of fans that, that love MMA, that love no holds barred, and that have been very interested in, in visiting and seeing Bare Knuckle. So I think that it would be something awesome to be able to offer the fans some some choices out there. Like I'm very excited to be a part of Bellator. Not as a, not as being in competition with Rusty, but it's giving it an alternate, an alternative, and an alternate for the fighters and for the fans uh, to participate in in more than just one venue. Uh, that they would have options, and I think that's what's missing in in the world of MMA today is that there's really no option uh, for these fighters out there, and I think that that definitely presents a problem. So by offering him, uh, you know, choices, it makes everybody, including the management and the voters, to have to present something that is fair. And so I think this is a great opportunity for the fans and fighters to be able to uh, improve MMA and make it more exciting. But at the same time, I also see an opportunity to be able to give them uh, another choice uh, to watch MMA, but, as, uh, but also to be able to watch something that, I think people have been wanting to see for a very long time. And what would it be like to have guys there that are very skilled fighters, uh, bare knuckle, and stand up and actually fight the whole three rounds? And uh, I think that the opportunity for us to educate and help people understand that it's not bare knuckle that's dangerous. It's actually having gloves and tape on your hands that's dangerous. So we have a platform to really help give people a true understanding of safety. 
So did you try to convince Scott to make this a bare-knuckle fight? If you think it's more dangerous to have the gloves on, why not do that? I, I think Kimbo was uh, into that idea as well when they brought it up at the press conference. I'm sure he was because he knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you have a guy sitting up on the platform and somebody mentions bare-knuckle. You know, the rules and regulations are already set. They're like, yeah, dude, that sounds great. Let's go for it. I was like, you know what? That's so stupid. I was like, you know, it's not going to change. There's no way we're going to change the rules of what MMA has already presented and built. Uh, down the road, it's a possibility. Once we can uh, help people understand that, you know, that the gloves take effect, so you more, more brain trauma, more damage to the future, not have them. So, but that's a process that has to take place. So the comment that he made, I think, was more entertaining help. But, uh, you know, I've done it. Uh, I made my career on it. Uh, and so it's no stranger to me. So it's not about whether I would have put it. Of course, I've already done it, and I think it made it very clear that I prefer no clubs. Uh, but the stand-up is a different deal now because I don't think anybody's ever really done um, what that looks like. And I think once we can present that and show it with, with two guys that really know what they're doing and have experience in it, um, I think there's going to be a whole different thought process going how people look at stand-up fight. Hey, Ten, hey, Ken, can I ask you a question? Are, are we on a speakerphone? It's, it's getting a little tough to hear you. No, actually, I'm on a headset in the car. Oh, really? And you can't, you yes. can't, you can't put it up to your ear, right, because you're driving? Uh, I get a ticket. Yes, we don't want that. Okay, we'll fight through it. Um, in your mind, had the Kimbo thing, uh, like, was it gone? Had you closed that door? Is it somewhat strange to be back here sitting next to the guy and doing this all over again? It's been seven years since that fight was, was going to happen. Is it, is it weird to be back here again? Well, you know, I tried to get that fight to happen afterwards. The fact is we put in Seth Petrozelli thinking that it would be a decent fight, but, of course, Kimbo would beat him uh, because it, you know, it was more of a stand-up thing, and I just felt like Kimbo might be able to, not might, but I, I had a pretty good feeling he could probably beat Seth. Uh, and so we put Seth in there to get him some experience for a big crowd main event, and I, I could, you know, rematch him. Wait and, a second. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt. Sorry, but you say we put Seth in there? You guys put him in there? What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, Seth is a part of our crew. Okay. So we, we actually got the fight for him. He was a part of the Lions Den at that time. We had uh, worked out a deal with some people that were involved with him, and he was actually one of our guys uh, so that we had actually placed him in there going forward thinking that, you know, Seth would have a good shot at having a good fight with this guy. He'd get his name out there. Uh, we did think that Seth was going to beat him. Um, we really thought that we would be able to have a rematch with that. And I'm, when I'm talking, I'm talking about my camp, not not anybody else was involved with the thought process on this. Um, and so when that happened, of course we were a little bit shocked that, uh, you know, that happened. But it did, and it was what it was. We tried to still get the rematch because of the trash and smack that was talked afterwards. Um, I really felt like, you know what, I'm just going to shut this guy up. Well, they, they didn't take the fight. They uh, basically said I wasn't worth it, you know, this and that, a lot more things were said. So it really pissed me off. But you know what? we got to move on in life. He didn't want the fight. He didn't want it. Um, whether it was him or his people, I don't know. So we moved on. But I always, in my mind, have kept one foot in, one foot out of, of fighting, of competing. Because I'm not looking to be a contender. I'm not looking to do anything other than have fun and to be able to take fights that are entertaining to me and that were marketable 
and that are entertaining to the fans. And to me, those things line up, then I'm going to do it. And uh, this happened to be one of them that came to, uh, came and was, you know, pretty much set my lap. And I said, yeah, let's do this. And I, I felt like, um, especially the timing of it with all the things that we've got going on, uh, was a blessing because it's going to help promote everything else I got going. As you may know, when this was announced, the reaction was mixed. 51-year-old Ken Shamrock against 41-year-old Kimbo Slice. You haven't fought in quite some time. He hasn't fought in quite some time. What do you say to the naysayers who say this is a freak show fight, this has no business on a big stage like Bellator? Well, it's just like with you saying stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I have no problem with people having their opinions of, you know, of what they want to say or what they think. Um, but if they're going to have those opinions and they're going to voice them just as you just did, um, they've got to be the same people that step up and say, you know what, man, <laughs> we were completely wrong about this guy, man. He is in shape. He whipped his ass. Man, we've got you know, we we to give him his props. And as long as, they, as long as they're okay doing that, if they want to open their mouths before the fight and they want to say those type of things, I've got, hey, I've got no problem with that. You know, obviously it bothers me. But just as long as they got to eat those birds when it's over, you know. So um, I think it's probably a little bit more wiser to hold your tongue and be careful on the things that you say and how you say them until after you know what the facts are. And then you open your mouth. That's what a wise man would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, so like I said, you haven't fought since 2010 in MMA. What kind of shape are you in? I mean, you look to be in tremendous uh, shape, but how often are you training these days or do you really have to get back in there and get your feet wet again? Well, there's no question i got to get my feet wet again. It's been a while since I've been in the rain. I could be training outside the rain for seven years, but it's not the same thing as being in there fighting. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, as like you said, there's a lot of ifs. But what I do know is, is that I'm in a better place than I was, uh, and you've add that up to 15 years. Uh, so, again, this is all just talk, you know. You hear fighters say it all the time. I feel great. Yeah. You know, and they go in there and they crap all over the ring. Um, and you just go, well, here we go again. So it doesn't matter what I say. It really doesn't. Um, but what I can do is I have the opportunity to go in there and be able to show what I'm talking about, how I feel. That's all I'm asking for is for people to go in and have your comments, but be careful what you say because if you say something that, that is derogatory or mean, then um, you've got to be that same guy that's going to have to stand up and eat those words because you can't be saying those things and not be accountable for them. You had a chance to see Kimbo in person. Uh, we had him on the show recently, but it was over the phone, so I haven't seen him in quite some time. What, what did you make of him? How did you size him up? Is he in good shape? Does he look like you these days, or do you think this fight might be easier than when it was supposed to happen in 2010? Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's, I don't know what kind of question that is. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any fight's easy. Uh, I don't care what you know day or era it is. Uh, he aged just like I did. Um, you know, we both are you know out of our prime. Uh, I'm doing this because I love it. I want to get in there and fight. I feel great. I believe that I could put on a great show, and I believe that I'm better than I was 15 years ago. Um, and uh, and so, with that being said, um, I am just dying and itching to be able to get in the ring and just stop talking and start showing. Mm. So this isn't one and done for you. You, you want to you wanna get a couple fights here, at least, with Bellator, right? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go as long as I can, as long as my body allows me to, as long as I'm able to, as long as fans still want to see me. 
And and are you at all worried that you know the ghosts of 2008 will be brought up? You have to go through that whole thing with the cut and all that. I mean, this is a, a thing that you don't get asked about these days. But now that you're fighting him again, people are going to bring it up, like I am right now. Are, are you worried to 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 have to relive all of this all over again? Because I know you were very disappointed about how that turned out. Oh, of course not. Um, I think it's uh, I, I think it's it's something that has to be asked. I think it it's uh, part of the. The uh, excitement of fight, um, you know, I think people have their own opinion of how things happen. I think some of it's ridiculous, um, you know, quite far-fetched. It's like conspiracy. Yes. But, uh, it is what it is, you know, and I have no problem talking about it. I have no problem answering questions about it because I know where I stand. I know who I am, and I know how the fight's going to end. You bumped heads, and that's what led to the cut, right? Because you know about all the conspiracies, right? Of course, man. I, but you know, it's uh, I, I dare anybody to try that. I really do. I dare <laughs> anybody to try to cut themselves. It, it show me, show me how you do that. Well, in pro wrestling, they do it all the time. You know that. Oh yeah. Tell me. Okay, now listen. You know what my cut was? Yeah, it was a bad one. It was right under my where the bone is on my eyelid. Okay, pro wrestling, you don't cut your eyelid you cut your forehead so and it was a deep cut right and it got double stitched so the conspiracy theory that's fine you know let people run with it let them say what they want to say but if you if you're standing from thirty thousand feet up and put it down on it it was an opportunity for me to go in there and beat this guy which i believe everybody and myself knows i can do and that it wouldn't have been that difficult for me to do that. And so if you look at the opportunity that I had there, why in the world would I lose that opportunity? Yeah. Are you still there? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, no, I, 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 I don't doubt that. Um, is that one of the great regrets of your career? Maybe the greatest of them all that you couldn't get that fight on CBS? Not now. Now you got it back. That's right. But prior to this, was that one of those ones that you were harping on, thinking about what if? No, because um, he wasn't the kind of guy that I that I believe that you know will ever have um, anything in history as far as being a great fighter. Yeah, definitely a draw. We know he brings a ratings in, and that's the reason why this fight's happening. Uh, but other than that. Um, it's not something where people would look at and go, I was dodging this guy, uh, except for unless they're saying is. But anybody that knows fighting and understands, you know, the credibility of fighters knows that that's never going to be in the history books. Is there a personal animosity there between you and him? Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely something that uh, I want to get across to him, uh, that, you know, he, he's been spoon fed, there's no question. Um, and that the reality of it is that if you're not going to take MMA professionally and, and work on things that you need to to uh, be at the top, uh, like the rest of the guys are that are at the top, that, that work on their game, that try to get better, that, that uh, and don't disrespect it by saying things like, well, I don't need to go to the ground, I'm going to knock everybody out, um, or that I don't, I'm not here to make friends and shake hands with anybody, I'm here to beat them all up. And you have got absolutely no history done whatsoever of beating anybody credible. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm I'm looking forward to the buildup of it all, um, and it's going down June 20th in St. Louis. Will it, in fact, be the main event? Is that 100? percent Yes, it is the main event. Um, be crazy not to. Listen, whether the guys got the ability uh, to fight with top fighters, um, you know, you know, not obviously not in this era, but in my era, which uh, he has not at this point has not done that. Um, and if, if he does have that ability, then we'll find out. But if he doesn't, then history will be told that night. The truth will be told. And uh, the thing that he's going to be known for, and I think, you know, I give him, <laughs> listen, it, it, you know, he's only going to get close in the mouth, man. The dude definitely uh, did some pretty incredible things. People around him did some pretty incredible things by getting him that popular when he had no ability at all on the ground. You, you've got to look at that and go, wow, that, <laughs> I don't know how you did it, but you guys did a great job of making this guy, like, invincible when, you, you know, the guy has never fought a lick on the ground. It's been, it's pretty incredible that he's been able to get this far and gain that much attention and that much popularity when the guy can't fight on the ground. Where will you train for this fight and with who? Um, right now, I'm in Modesto doing strength and conditioning with Dan Freeman, who's been my longtime personal trainer. Um, we're working on getting my joints and my muscles and my body back to where it needs to be to be able to go into CrossFit training, which is the ropes, the tires, and the hammers, and all the things you need to do to, to get your body ready to do, do combat. And then I'll, after I'm done doing that, I've got two more weeks of Modesto now. Then I'll be there for two months after I leave. I'll go down to San Diego for the next three months. I'll be doing my sparring and my grappling down in San Diego. Which which uh, gym? Which team? Don't know yet. I've got a couple up down there. In fact, most of those guys all went through my school. Yeah. Uh, final thing for you. I know you worked very hard to get back. Uh, you know, into the good graces of the UFC, get a better relationship with Dana White. There's been Fight Pass, uh, little documentaries on you. Um, very much, you know, a part of the UFC family and the history of the sport, a pioneer, legend, Hall of Famer, all that good stuff. Are you concerned that now being with Bellator and getting this fight, that will, you know, uh, damage that work that you did over the past few years? I can't. That's what I don't understand. Um, I'm, just, I'm just another guy out there who would have in the UFC and, and, and really got a chance to help build the UFC where it is today, but, but I'm no longer needed there, and I don't take offense on that at all. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that they don't take offense that I'm out there trying to have fun and people think that I love so They don't have a place for me there. They don't have a spot for me there, and that's okay. But don't stop me from living the life that I want to live, and that's a, a life of a fighter. And a life of going out there and fighting and having fun, and that's what I want to do. So if I'm doing that, I don't know why they would be upset at that, because it's not like I, I turned them down to come to Bellator. I basically had made this path for myself. But this path is what led me here. Scott Cope was great to me. Uh, Viacom and Spike TV have been great to me. And um, I have an opportunity to really help build this company to where it, it, it gives the fans options to watch what, what organization they want to watch, give the fighters an option to fight where they want to fight, and I think it's helping for everybody, so I hope that it doesn't hurt uh, what we built there already. Well said. Thank you very much for the time, Ken. Best of luck to you. June 20th, Kent Shamrock versus Kimbo Slice, live on Spike TV from St. Louis, Missouri. 
Uh, looking forward to it, Ken, and really appreciate you coming on today. Congratulations on getting the fight. Thank you. And can I promote something here real quick? Absolutely. Go ahead. I have uh, a, a website called kenshamrock.com. Yes. If you go to my contact page and you leave your information there and uh, go to my blog, I've written a blog on there. It's a weekly blog. It talks about my training. i got videos and pictures also of my training. You can leave your comments and that way I can see them and make comments back to you. I want this journey to be a part of the fans also. This is something I'm enjoying. I want the fans to enjoy it with me. And the way you can do that is by going to my blog and reading this stuff and going to my contact page and leaving your comments. Uh, I also have a, uh, a crowdfunding uh, deal going on with Shamrock Slam. It's a big strength, science strength. And uh, it's an awesome drink, dude. It's really good. Uh, and I hope that the fans uh, will join the Shamrock team on the, on the, on the crowdfunding. So, Thank you for the time, uh, and I really appreciate you having me on, and God bless. All right, same to you. Thank you very much, Ken. Best of luck to you June 20th against the one and only Kevin Ferguson, Kimbo Slice. How about that? I remember being there. In fact, that was probably my first big scoop. My first big scoop was, I remember breaking, this was for MMARated.com, I broke that, uh, it was supposed to be, I think it was UFC 85, Chuck Liddell versus Rashad Evans. Chuck got injured. They ended up postponing that fight to UFC 88. So that was a big one for me at MMA Rated. That was around... That fight was supposed to happen in June. I think I broke that around April or May. That was a big one. But then I'll never forget being front row, press row, Elite XC Heat, October 4th, and breaking the news that Kent Shamrock was out of that fight. That was that was a game changer for me. That was a huge one. So now here we are seven years later. They're actually going to get it on, hopefully. Kimbo, Ken, how about that? Time warp. How about Rich Chow having to relive that? I think he's the only big-name employee that's still there. He was a matchmaker for Elite XC now, matchmaker for Bellator, having to relive that whole thing all over again. Holy moly, I wonder what he thinks. Okay, let's move along. And let's bring in one of our favorites here on the MMA Hour. He was there, cage side, in Ronda Rousey's corner. He saw it in person with his own eyes, 14 seconds. But like I said, Judo Jean thinks it's 12.8. Regardless, it was very quick. Another armbar win. And uh, I want to get his thoughts on what transpired. Always great to hear from the one and only Henner Gracie. And he joins us right now. Henner, how are you? What's up, man? It was great to see you this weekend, as always. And just a quick correction. Um... I kind of saw it with my own eyes, but the reality is when I got out of the corner right there and I pulled the uh, sponsorship <laughs> banner down, by the time I got back to my corner where they have that stool I, um, for the corner guys, right, I was like, Gene was in my seat, and there was two other ones, for Martin and for, for, uh, for Edmund, and I bundled up a little hoodie, and I put my knee down on it, and by the time I looked up, she was already tapping out. Oh, my God. So, to be fair, I didn't watch the whole entire fight until my brother posted it on Instagram later. And then I checked it out, and I, of course, watched it several times before doing the crazy breakdown, but uh, it's all good. And you coined the phrase Instagrammable, at least first time I've heard it. The entire fight fits on an Instagram video. Um, okay, be honest with me. I saw when you were talking about Gracie Breakdown, and check it out on the YouTube page, Gracie Breakdown, tremendous stuff, and a, a, a crap load of views. What, do, what are you at now, like 300,000 or no, one, 180 last I checked? Yeah, it's like at 140. This morning it was 145,000. I, I think put it's it out more. Last night at three o'clock, so yeah. it's already it's in the past 200, maybe 250 maybe tonight. It's crazy. 
Did you expect that, though? I mean, considering what Kat brings to the table, did you expect that kind of fight that she was going to bum rush her, go right at her? And, and, and of course, I mean, you always kind of expect or are, are thinking that there'll be an armbar finish. But did you expect that kind of game plan from Kat? I expected a war of a fight. I expected it to be much longer, uh, you know, maybe, maybe at least a few minutes. But um, Ronda and, and Edmund both expected Kat to come out guns blazing like that. And I was like, really? And then Ronda just said, Henner. I watch my own fights, and no one's ever rushed me 100% from the, from the, from the get-go. So I would rush myself if I fought myself to surprise me and to throw a curveball. So she was already planning ahead how she would beat herself, and in doing so, she anticipated Kat's game plan perfectly. Is it true you guys don't work on that kind of thing? That, that, what's the official name? No, that's, Inverted? that's not true. No, no, no. Tell us, tell us, tell us. Speak the truth. Drop some knowledge. Here's the deal. Yes. Yeah, it's a very jujitsu thing to say, I've never done that before. Okay. okay? The problem is, that uh, arm bars are like fingerprints. No two arm bars are exactly the same ever. And the same goes true for triangle chokes, and the same is true for any technique in jiu-jitsu, right? Because the truth is, it's never the same. Let's be real. The same arm bar applied against five different people is five different arm bars. So when Rhonda says, I've never done that before, what she means is that from that exact angle of the hip and that exact entry from the you know, failed throw to the cartwheel flip, she had never executed it like that exactly. However... Uh, every single day in practice when we're doing when we're training, Rhonda is catching that arm bar uh, behind the shoulder arm bar, uh, belly up, belly down from all different positions. Uh, and I've always and I've told people in the past, you know, I've never felt arm bars like hers in my life. The best arm bars I've ever felt are Hedon's and uh, my older brother's uh, ever. And, uh, and, and and hers because Hedon's been doing arm locks and chokes and triangles and foot locks and everything else his entire life. He's good at all of them. But Rhonda, because she spent so many years just breaking arms and focusing entirely on that submission, she actually is the best. She's actually the tightest arm bars I've ever felt in my entire life. Wow. And I know you're a perfectionist, so so critique her technique. I mean, was that an A-plus or was that – because in, in, in a fight, I mean, it's not always going to be as perfect as in training when you can control the circumstances. She said she was improvising, adapting, all that stuff. But that particular move, was that perfect or was that kind of her improvisation of what was being thrown at her? Well, you're saying the same thing. Ronda Rousey's middle name should be improvisation. Yeah. That's her adaptability is how she trains. So when we're training in the academy you know, on a regular basis, literally every single day she's spinning and turning and landing in the craziest ways and catching techniques that are totally improvised. But then if they're that predictable and they're that regular occurring, are they improvised or are they just part of the tornado? Mm, that's a good point. Have you actually seen her so do that in person? Like, to answer the question, yeah. it was it was perfect Ronda Rousey. It was perfect. To, when I, yeah, as soon as they went to the ground in this crazy scramble, I just thought to myself, as soon as I turned and saw the scramble on the ground, kind of chaos happening, I thought to myself, oh, Kat's in big trouble right now. Because Ronda thrives in the chaos. She thrives in the confusion because of her extensive years in judo. And um, it, it's amazing what she's able to do. And when other people would otherwise kind of, kind of clam up and just kind of do what's safe, Rhonda's always literally upside down, twisting and elegantly looking for fine limbs to just like latch onto and uh, and take home and add to the collection. When's the first time you worked with her? Man, it's been a couple of years now. I you forget between all these fights and all these camps and all these things happening, but at least a couple of years. She don't started working with her initially first, and uh, it's just been a remarkable journey. And man, she's just such a cool. It's so amazing how someone can be so athletic, so effective, and so such a great athlete. I really think she's the most most naturally gifted. Uh, and talented athlete I've ever worked with in my life, ever. And that's in any field or any endeavor. Like, I've met athletes, professional athletes of all different fields and sports and, and, and capabilities. 
certainly in martial arts and in jujitsu and in, and you know in, in, in regards to the combat sports. But I've never seen an athlete that hones her craft and is perfect for their sport like Ronda is for MMA. So Joe Rogan was on uh, the Dan Lebetard show before UFC 184, and he said that he believes she could beat around 50% of the male bantamweights. Do you believe that as well? Good question. I, I, I'm seeing what she does and what she's able to do to the high-level guys at the academy and in terms of sparring and in terms of you know, just feeling her, just feeling her creativity. There's no doubt that she can put it on some, 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 some men for sure. I've seen it happen, you know, and, and really do some damage. Because I haven't personally rolled with, you know, the, the, the male bantamweights in the UFC, um, I, I couldn't really say. Uh, but there's no doubt that her – see, here's the thing. Naturally, what, what everyone's going to say is, no, men have the physical strength, right, that manpower advantage over someone like Ronda uh, or any female, you would say. And, and, and that's generally, you know, that's generally a, a fair statement, I think. But the thing is this. Ronda has some things that I've never felt in even men if that makes sense. Hmm. Ronda has a certain flexibility, a dynamic flexibility mixed with strength. And in the blend of those two, impeccable technique, you see? So she can be totally twisting and turning out of a position, as we saw this weekend, and apply a submission like that. We've never even seen men do what she did this weekend against Kat Dingano. So in terms of her adaptability, in terms of her dynamic strength, we'll call it, right? This ability to be strong in weird positions is um, is unprecedented in any athlete, in any MMA fighter, and I've worked with a lot of them in any weight class. Um, now, you know, what happens when you go into command, they put a little more power behind their punches, the knockout power is stronger, and, and who knows, they can muscle out of submissions a little crazier, but uh, I'll tell you what, once she's latched onto a limb, I don't care whose limb it is, they're going to tap, that's for sure. She brings the pressure, she finds ways to incorporate her entire body, the leverage of her whole body against the joint that she's attacking, so... I wouldn't put it past her, but uh, I don't know if I'd go so far to make claims like that. I just, you know, I know what Ronda's capable of, and I know for sure that, um, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's not going it's, to, it's, it's not, it's not fair. It's not competitive. It's not competitive where she's at right now because, man, she's just too good. I just, I don't see any woman in the world beating her. One of my favorite things to watch before any UFC fight is the face of the fighter as they're about to walk out. And, and, and the world is watching. There's all this anticipation buildup, all that stuff, and no one does it better than Ronda. When that music hits, her song, her walkout is one of the best of all time. And the look on her face, man, there could be a, a, a 16, 18-wheeler right there, and she'll just like walk right through that thing. She is so intense, so focused. What is it like being in the locker room 20 minutes before the fight, being in that little huddle, being right outside of that, that tunnel around her? Like, does she turn into a, a different person in front of your eyes? What is that like? Is that the most intense scene that you've ever been a part of as far as athletic? are concerned yeah Rhonda is the most focused um and most i don't know man i've never i've never you know i don't know what's going on inside her head entirely <laughs> but i do know that when she goes to war she goes to war you know what i'm saying like she goes in there and everything is on the table for her like there's no like she's not playing a game she's not you know what i'm saying in there just to do it to perform for anybody she's going in there and and, and you know She's, she puts everything on it, let me just say that. She's 100%. The stakes are 100% for her, and she fights every fight like it's her last, and, and, and then like everything, like everything rests on, on victory or defeat in that situation. So she goes in with nothing to lose and everything to gain, and, you know, it was funny because in that, in that build-up to the Kat Zingano fight, she said, yeah, Kat's an amazing athlete and has so much, to, so much to fight for, and she has a kid to go home to, right, at the end of the fight. She said, I don't. Mm. 
Yeah. So that was one of the most impactful, just to give give people a little insight into Rhonda's psyche, that was one of the most impactful things she's ever said. Wow. In terms of her willingness to put it all on the line, you know, and, and it doesn't start like that right when the cameras are on her. Like the day of the fight, she's, of course, focused and she's 100% in the zone. We get to the arena. She likes to take a nap, as you see on the camera. She sleeps for a couple hours in the locker room while we wait. And then, you know, three or four fights before hers, she wakes up, gets her hands grabbed by Edmund. And, uh, and from there, there's no talking. There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing. She doesn't get all crazy and yell. Nothing like that. She's just like you see on the camera. She's 100% in the fight already. And uh, the cameras get on, and, you know, she's in the hallway, and it's game time. We go straight through it. She just, you know, burns through that walkout. And, uh, man, it's, you know, we, the rest is history. You can see it. You know you're a big deal when the mainstream sports media is talking about you. And I was listening to some sports talk radio, just like the big-time sports talk show. Not, not as big as our show. But you don't, let's not get crazy. But, the you know, the, the medium-sized ones on ESPN and whatnot. And they're talking about Ronda Rousey. And that doesn't happen every day for our sport. And one of the things they're talking about is, is this good for the sport if her fights continue to last this long? So they're lasting 14 seconds, 16 seconds the last one. The, the one prior to that was a minute, six seconds. Is that good? Will people stop buying these fights if they know it's going to be you know, a quick one and done? You won't get your money's worth. What's your take on that? I kind of feel like I want to see history. I want to see something spectacular. I want to see something quick. If that's what she's known for and she is, then I want to see it. What do you think about that? Do you think in the long run this is bad for her brand and the sport if the fights keep ending so quickly and, and, and she's so dominant? Or do you think it's, it's, it's like what I say, it's yeah. kind of cool? In the Gracie breakdown we did yesterday uh, and, and put it up last afternoon, yesterday afternoon, he don't said, man, you know, this, is, uh, this situation is getting out of hand and the only way to solve Ronda's situation is to ban her from the UFC. <laughs> and along the lines of what you're saying right now and jokingly saying that, you know, it's not going to be competitive or entertaining as long as she's in the fight. And we were joking, obviously, and, and you know, we, we, I don't think you could be more entertained. You couldn't have a situation where you bring up a, you know, a formidable opponent and uh, someone who's been training their whole life and then put them against Ronda and, and let her do her thing, you know. So, I don't know, man. The, the entire crowd was on their feet last night uh, or Saturday night. They seemed to love it. The, the, the Internet buzz was ridiculous. So, as much as people say that it's boring, that her fights are that fast, someone said in the interview after the fights, Ronda said, hey, you know, you... Um, it's, it's so easy for you that, you know, are you concerned? This is gonna, you know, and she said, wait a minute, says who? So yeah. easy in what regard? The fact that she trains like an absolute monster for, you know, several months before the fight, and it's always on her mind for several months before the fight, and mentally and emotionally draining, and all that she goes through, it's not easy at all. So the point is that, yes, the fight might be the culmination of her, you know, intense training camp, but the reality is it's, it's, there's a lot that goes into that. I think people respect that. The people respect the, the, the pinnacle of, uh, of training perfection, right? The pinnacle of working hard and, and, and letting the results speak for themselves. So without a doubt, yes, it's, it's obviously, you know, you get in a situation like a Mike Tyson situation where you start to wonder who's going to be next. But, uh, you know, there's, there are a lot of people who are training very hard who have not even stepped into the UFC yet. And uh, it's just a matter of time before they surface and have their shot at Ronda. Do you believe Chris Cyborg is the one who could give her, her her toughest test, or do you think that that wouldn't even be much of a test? Yeah, I think that uh, I think people are giving Chris Cyborg more more credit than she deserves in the sense of um, beating Ronda. Mm. And this is no no offense to her; she's obviously an amazing athlete and has done amazing things in MMA. Um, and from what I hear, a great person as well. This is just my, me personally. I know. I know what it feels like to roll with a very athletic, strong person. And people say rolling with Chris Cyborg is like rolling with a, with a man. You don't have to go easy. You're rolling very hard. And I've rolled with a lot of world-class men. 
martial arts, jujitsu, MMA, and I know what they feel like. And Ronda doesn't feel like them. Is the whole point? Do you understand? Yeah. She's beyond. It's not. I don't say rolling with Ronda is like rolling with a man. I don't, I've never said those words, and I never will. Rolling with Ronda is like rolling with an alien. <laughs> There's just no rolling with. Someone says, "Hannah, what's it like rolling with Ronda?" And the answer is, the very word "like." It, it, it assumes there is a comparison to be made, right? You can compare it to something else that is experienceable, but you, there's no, she's incomparable. Therefore you can't make a comparison. Yeah. So I've rolled with strong people. I've rolled with very good fighters, all of which, you know, have been compared to, you know, uh, cyborg and her athleticism and her power. And I think all of that's great, but there, it comes a point where there's something beyond strength and power and, and tenacity. Right. And, and that's the special gift that Rhonda has and has, has, sharpened and honed over the last 15, 20 years. Okay, before I let you go, you know I have to ask you about our good pal CM Punk. You were there with him from the beginning. You you were one of those guys saying, this guy could do MMA if he wants, and, and he's trained with you. Of course, now we know he's with Rufus Sport. Are you keeping tabs? Are you checking in? Will you make the trip out to Milwaukee? Will he make the trip out to California? What's going on? Now that he's officially a member of the UFC, I haven't spoken to you, how big of a part of his team will you be? I know he thinks the world of you. Yeah, he does, and we're definitely um, we definitely are committed to training with one another. Uh, even though he's found a camp out there, he's he's very loyal and he's very much appreciated all the teachings we've given him in the several years up until when he made the decision to fight professionally. So uh, I'm down in whatever regard he wants. Uh, I travel a lot for seminars, so he knows that you know next time I'm in his neck of the woods, I'll be stopping by, and we're trying to schedule a trip for him to come out here in the not too distant future. So the, the training continues, but obviously living several states away is not going to be a regular everyday thing. But, um, man, I, I just wish him the best, and I just, yeah, I just, I, he's a great friend. He's an amazing human being, as you know, you've talked to him, and this guy's when he puts his mind to it, man, he's, he's real. He's like, you know, whether he's going to win or lose, nobody knows, not even him, but whether he's going to give it 100% in the training and, uh, and really give us a real crack, uh, you can count on that, you know. So I'll support him however I can as a friend and as a jiu-jitsu brother, and we'll hope for the best. One of our listeners, Darren Chung, just tweeted me, I remember Henry Gracie's first MMA Hour appearance. He is so much more calm now. Hashtag maturity. Hashtag married life. Hashtag energy. And you know what? <laughs> I wonder. You know, I had the honor and pleasure of seeing your wonderful wife at Invicta on, on Friday night. Eve, you were not there, of course. I'm assuming you were busy getting ready for the fight and whatnot. But is he onto something? Is Darren onto something? Is this a, a, a the married version of Henner? Have you become calmer? I don't know. It's hard. I've never done a phoner with you, so it's hard to really get a grasp for the energy. Yeah, obviously, you're going to get the maximum energy yes. when we are, you know, live in studio at the UFC event, and I can put you in a dark choke in the <laughs> middle of the situation. Yes. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, be right there after the fight. You know, you're going to get the secondary energy when it's a Skype interview and you can actually see my face. You can actually feel the eyebrows and you can feel the wrinkles in my forehead just kind of blazing through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, on a phone interview, you're going to get some more conservative. You know, you're going to get some more relaxed energy, the more family man. He's married now, you know, and things are calming down in his life. So there's, a, there's definitely several different variations of that, just like the arm bar. And it's all good. You know, it's not, there's no, nothing better than the other. They're just different, you know, and at the end of the day, if you can apply them under pressured situations, that's all that really matters. Well said. Henner, a pleasure as always. Check out the Gracie Breakdown on the Gracie Breakdown YouTube channel. That's the name of the YouTube channel. Tremendous stuff as always. Congratulations to you and the team. And uh, it's always a pleasure to see you blowing up everywhere, doing all kinds of crazy things. Uh, it's, 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 it's one of my favorite things in MMA. You're one of those great characters. So thank you very much for the time. And again, congrats on the win on Saturday. 
Honored to be here. Thanks for everything. I'll keep up the good work. All right, there he is, Henner Gracie. Love having him on. Great insight, as always. Appreciate his time. All right, let's move along now. This is very exciting for me. One of the greatest of all time as far as combat sports are concerned. I've had the pleasure of meeting this man in person at a couple of UFC events now, but uh, this is very exciting. For the first time ever, we are being joined by one of the greatest boxers of all time, pound-for-pound pound king, pound-for-pound pound legend, the one and only Roy Jones Jr. is joining us on the phone right now. Roy, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Great. I am so great. It is such an honor to have you on the show, Roy. Thank you so much. You know, I got to tell you, before we get into things, I was an intern at HBO Sports in 2003. My very first day on the job, we had to go interview you. I didn't do the interviewing. I sat in the back with my jaw on the ground. I couldn't believe I was in the same room as Roy Jones. Now here you are on my show. 12 years later, nice. this is surreal for me. So thank you very much for the time, and thanks, thanks for, for, for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Okay, so you're coming back this Friday, March 6th. You're fighting. You're 46 years young. And, and, and I'm sure you get this a lot, but let's ask it anyway because we're a different audience here. Why is Roy Jones still fighting? What more do you have to prove? I don't have nothing to prove at all. It's not about proving anything. What my thing is about is going out the way I want to go out and trying to accomplish everything I want to accomplish before I go out. And because I was heavyweight champ, light heavyweight champ, super middleweight champ, middleweight champ, that's everything covered except the cruiserweight champ. So why not go out and try to do it while I still can, while I'm still capable, so that when I do retire, I don't have to worry about coming back and doing nothing that I didn't do that I could have done. So do you have a path in mind? You know, I know there's been some talks about you fighting later on this year for that belt. Do you know, okay, two, three fights, I'll fight for the belt, and then I'll retire? Or you might go on a run with that. You might go into 50 like Bernard Hopkins. Do you have a path in mind, sort of a limit? <laughs> no, I don't have a limit, but I do have a path in mind. Okay. Once I get the title, I'll see how, how I feel. Uh, if I feel good, I'll continue. But don't, then I'm going to stop. I don't really have, like you said, nothing to prove. It's, I love what I do. I love doing it. So if I have an opportunity, why would I not cast in an opportunity? So that when I come back, I can't say, well, you know, I should have tried to win the Cooler title before I retire. No, I'm going to try to win the Cooler title before I retire. And if I get it, yeah, I can either retire, I can keep going. If I don't get it, then I'll say, okay, I tried, it's good enough for me. Is there something about the Cruiserweight title, or is it just the one you, you, you didn't win yet? Is it the one I didn't <laughs> win yet? Between middleweight and heavyweight. Sure. Um, you know, I'm wondering, you work for HBO, you do a tremendous job with them. Why aren't your fights on HBO? Uh, that's a good question. You should ask HBO that question. Oh, they love you over there. Yeah, they say they do, but I can't get no fight on there. So do they really love me? Mm. I mean, I have to ask. And then they're concerned about it. I understand, but if I'm going to fight anyway, then you may well go ahead and do it if I'm going to fight anyway. Then you're going to shout it or not and be concerned that you love me. You don't want to see me fight, but I'm fighting anyway, so why would you not go ahead and tell him? Yeah. No broadcast at me. Right. Um, well, this fight will... That's what I don't get. Yeah, yeah I, I've thought of that a lot. Uh, this fight will air live on yeah. Go Fight Live, GFL.TV for 19.99, beginning at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Have you ever had a serious sit-down conversation with them and saying, hey, where's the love? I'm on a roll now. I've won a few fights in a row. Why can't I fight on an HBO card? Well, I had it a couple of times, but you know me, I'm not really a big talker. Sure. I, mean, after you, I, I asked you one time, you said, no, that's good enough for me. It's like when I was in school... I didn't chase a girl too much. I asked her, and she said, no, then I'm done with it. If she said, no, but she mean, yeah, and I knew that, then I keep bothering her. But if, if, I, if she ever told me, no, I just, I'm not with it, I'm gone. I don't want to talk about it no more. I don't want nothing or nobody that don't want me. You feel me? Yeah. So, I mean, 
If you don't feel like you want to do, okay, cool, but, you know, I do what I got to do. So, I don't fuss, I don't hug, I don't beg, I, I, I just be me. When you lost three in a row, now you've won five in a row, but when you lost three in a row, how tough was it to go out and be a part of the boxing community? I'm sure you had a lot of people saying, Roy, enough is enough, stop fighting. Now you're on a roll, you, 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 you have a retort. But back then, not that long ago, was it difficult to, to look people in the eye and have to defend yourself after everything you've done in this sport? No, it wasn't, because when you look at people and people tell you what you can't do, those are some of the same types of arguments that made me do all the things that I did. Now you got to remember, people told me, don't fight for the heavyweight title, you're too small. You know what I'm saying? Or he's going to kill you. Or he's going to hurt you. Or this could be detrimental to your career. Or you're 36 years old, you shouldn't be doing this. But look what I did. I became heavyweight champ of the world. So I'm used to people telling me what I, what I can't or what they think I can't or couldn't do. I don't hear, hear nothing about it. I don't hear nobody tell me nothing about what they think because if they thought was so worldwide good, they'd be doing it themselves. I didn't know what, exactly what they should be doing themselves. So I can't tell me what to do. Now that we, we learn a lot more about brain damage and all that stuff, do you have any concerns about that? Of course I do. I've always had concerns about that, and I will always have concerns about that. And are you certain that you're 100% healthy, that it's okay for you at 46 to be fighting? I'm more than certain. I went to the Mayo Clinic and made sure it was certain. I wouldn't fight if it wasn't healthy if it wasn't certain. I just told a guy yesterday who was a former boxer of mine that you should never go in a boxing ring again. And he said he wants to end his career away. I told him I understand that. But because of his situation, because of the nature of the situation, I don't think he should ever fight again because that's his damage. Mm. And there's no way right now to reverse that damage. And if I can see that on somebody else, then don't you think I would be the first to know if it was me going down that line? You know, I'm dying to ask you this question, of course. You've been in MMA news for a long time. Anderson Silva has been wanting to fight you, and, of course, you, you may have heard that he tested positive twice for PEDs, before his fight, after his fight. What's your response to, to what happened to Anderson? I feel bad for Anderson because, truthfully speaking, Anderson is a really good person. Yeah. And uh, I feel like because he's led in I'm sure he's insecure, and I'm sure... If he did have PD, it was only things to try to help. I'm trying to rain ice storm right now. That's why you get a loud noise. What is that? Ice? Well, I'm in an ice storm. Yeah, right here in Pittsburgh, I'm in an ice storm. Oh, my gosh. That's the ice? <laughs> yeah, Where are you? Are you indoors? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Pittsburgh. They stay in the car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I feel bad for him because I know that the only way that I think he would ever do something like that is the, is the cost of that leg. That leg injury. And uh, well, people understand that when you have an injury like that, it's a very difficult thing to come back from. But I know that's what forced him probably uh, prompted him to go do things to, to try to help his leg. And when you break the leg the way that he broke his leg, I mean, I can't see a person that wouldn't have tried the same thing. Mm. So I feel for him in that instance because I know what he's going through in a sense because I've heard people say that those things help him heal quicker. So, of course, he wants to get healed so he can fight. However, you can't do it that close to a fight because it's illegal. So you don't think he was doing this his entire career? You don't think this tarnishes his legacy? Uh, that I don't know, and I don't think it does, but I'm not really sure because I'm not into that sport. I'm not into that world. Right. Um, I know sometimes things like that happen. You know, it's like I, I got, you know, you take rip fuel, sometimes they tell you that's illegal. So, I mean, some things happen, but it don't happen at one time, and you don't do it no more than you know better. But when you, if, it, if it happens more than once, then you, you, can look at, you can look at it and say, okay, 
it's possible. But when it only happens once, they don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard to say, oh, one time you're going to say he's doing his whole career. You know, it's hard to say that. Did you watch his fight against Nick Diaz? I know that's another guy you were interested in fighting. Of course I did. Of course I did. Did you think that didn't seem like him, like he seemed a little off? Yeah, it didn't seem like him at all to me. You, you just chalked that up to him being nervous after the layoff and the leg and all that? It seemed no, like he was timid, no, right? No, he was, Yeah, he really wasn't that timid, but he really wasn't the finisher that I wanted him to be. Because I thought by Nick coming up and weight, he should have had enough weight advantage that he could have finished Nick, and he didn't. I heard recently they finally put the nail in that coffin. As long as he's a part of the UFC, this, this fight will never happen, you and him, and he was incredibly sad. Is that what you were told as well? Yep, yep that's what I was told. Are you disappointed? Nope, not at all. <laughs> Why? Well, I mean, you know, I don't argue with organizations. Like I got destroyed by HBO. I don't argue with HBO. I don't argue with UFC. Whatever they're sitting here, fine with me. I don't have that against nobody. I'm cool. Sure. I have a happy life. I live a happy life, so I'm good. I'm not, I'm not going to hate somebody because of their decision. I mean, I feel bad for Hamilton because I know he said he wanted to do it. But if he chose to sign 15 more fights with UFC, then they got you just gave him the right to tell you what to do and what not to do. So I'm not disappointed about that. You shouldn't know that when you sign him 15 more fights. Right. You sign 15 more fights. Well, of course you can't do nothing that you want to do. So why should I be disappointed when you're the one that gave him an option? You gave him the power to do that by signing 15 more fights. Yeah, well said. Um, are you still interested in that MMA boxer match? I know Chris Lytle was trying to get a heat. He retired. Is that still something that interests you? Yeah, it's still something that interests me. And uh, Chris Lytle is something I'm definitely looking at. Oh, uh, Me and Chris Lytle were trying to get it together in, uh, in Indianapolis, but I don't think it's going to happen there. But it's definitely something I'm looking at, and I like Chris Lytle as a person. But I know he does have a good boxing uh, background. He has a good boxing record. And I think it would be a great thing, so... If Anderson couldn't, I mean, Chris Lytle can. And if Chris Lytle, I mean, feels like he can do that, then we'll make it happen. What do you think? I'm the easiest man in, <laughs> I'm the easiest man in boxing to make a fight with. Uh, what do you think the chances are of that fight happening? Uh, I think it's about 85%, 90%. Oh, really? Maybe next? Yeah. After this one? Uh, not next, but maybe after this one, yeah. Okay. And are you sensing? No, not, no not, 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 not after this one, but it'll be, it'll be some time this year. Are you yeah. sensing more interest in your in your great sport now that Pacquiao Mayweather? It feels like people are talking about the sport, excited about the sport. Are you getting that of sense course. as well? Of course, the guy even got me excited. Matter, yeah. matter of fact, I'm feeling so good. I'm feeling so good. I got me and myself a new addition that I'm working in, and I'm like, I'm wondering how in the hell they're gonna beat me now, cause I'm coming back to a point where I'm starting to scare myself. If I told you this, and I know you ain't gonna believe it, but you'll see me weekend. I'm faster right now than I was two years ago. Wow. What's what's yeah, the what's the reason? Good. How did that happen? I ain't gonna tell you all that yet. It's okay. a secret thing okay. and, and there ain't no PED. You trust me on that. Okay. Nothing like that, but it's still a secret I can't reveal yet because I'm doing it and I, I promise to God that the, the train wouldn't be revealed and so I can't tell you what it is, but uh, it, it's honestly out of this world. It's, just, it's unbelievable to me. Will you be in the quote-unquote broadcast booth for Pacquiao Mayweather? Will you be calling that fight for HBO? Yes, I will. Do you know who the team will be? Yeah, it's uh, Roy Jones Jr. Yep. I'm team. Oh, so it's a little bit of HBO, a little bit of Showtime. Yeah. Are you surprised they got the fight done? Did you think they wouldn't get it done? 
Let me ask you, if he wins this fight, if Floyd wins, is he the greatest of all time? No. No? He's not the greatest of all time, but no. How you great? Because you 50 and 0. I mean, you're fighting Manny Pacquiao, was good, and Manny Pacquiao's a good fighter, but Hathaway's going to say, well, if you beat him, it's tough because they're going to say, why you didn't fight me this prior? Hmm. You feel me? So I... how did it make you the greatest of all time when you beat a man that got knocked out by one, one man with Mark here? And now you're the greatest, you're the greatest ever because you beat a man that got knocked out by a man that you beat easily? No, they don't make you the greatest ever. Make <laughs> you the smartest business man ever. And you're the best business doctor ever because you made more money than other fighter ever. And you are by far the smartest business man in the kind of boxing of all time. And you always will be that. But it don't make you the best fighter ever, no. Who is the greatest of all time, in your opinion? Oh, uh, I'm going to still always say Muhammad Ali in that book. Muhammad Ali. If you started me boxing, and well, Muhammad Ali, I would have never boxed. And he's the greatest. He's the greatest because he not only did it in the ring, but he did it out of the ring. He did it much less. Um, skill that most people grew up with, he was far more dominant than most people were using a lot less ability than most people. You know, if you think about it, Muhammad Ali ran it through body shots. You know what I'm saying? Muhammad Ali ran it through because there's a lot of stuff Muhammad Ali didn't do. They ran a roll the punch or mm. duck the punch. You know what I'm saying? He didn't do a lot of things that true boxers do, but look how dominant he was. He was so dominant that the whole world knew who the heavyweight champ of the world was more so than he knew everything else. But, you got guys like Chris Coles who are really good, who do throw good punches and do good things, but part of the world don't know who they are. Yeah, the Antler. Sorry, did you get cut off there? No. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I just wanted to ask you a couple more things, and then I'll let you go. Again, this is a real treat for us. Uh, the Premier Boxing Champions, that, that new promotion by Al Heyman, is starting this weekend, this, uh, this Saturday. Uh, not going up against your fight, so that is good. Do you think that this can also uh, resurrect, I hate to use that word, but give boxing a much-needed boost, being on NBC, being on Spike TV, being on CBS? Do you think this could, could really help change boxing? And are you interested? I don't know your relationship with Al, but are you interested in maybe fighting on one of those cards? Oh, yeah, it's a, I think it's definitely going to change boxing. Yeah, of course, I mean, anything good, of course you'll do. If you're going to help boxing, of course I'll fight on one. I'm not the kind of guy that wouldn't do anything to help boxing, but uh, you know, it all depends on who you're going to let me fight. I mean, it's like I'm not really big into uh, um, um, changing horses in midstream, but you know me, I'm the kind of guy that if it's for boxing, I'm with it. Okay. And finally, are you familiar with Ronda Rousey? Yes, I am. Did you see her fight on Saturday? No, I didn't, but I heard about my son the end of it. Yeah, well, she, she just lasted 14 seconds. I mean, it's unbelievable. Three straight fights yeah. combined, a minute and 36 seconds. A lot of people like myself calling her the Mike Tyson of MMA, and I want to get your take, who better than you, to, to weigh in on this. Yeah. I call her that not because she's like Mike Tyson as a person, but because people will pay money to watch her win a fight in 10 seconds. There's an appeal there. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you, yeah. do you feel like this is an accurate yep. description for her? I think it's a highly accurate description for her, and I think she is that devastating. And anybody that can do something like that hand-to-hand combat-wise, I'm definitely a fan of. I think there's a proper um, a proper name, a proper thing to refer her to, a proper reference for her. Yes, she is yes. like Mike Tyson. And yes, I would pay every time to watch her distort somebody. I don't care if it's 10 seconds. But because I know what she's coming to do, I'm going to pay to watch it because I know I'm going to be entertained for them 10 seconds. 
that she's in there, which is the same reason I watch Roy Jones and the same reason I'd always watch Mike Tyson, because I know no matter how long they're in there, you're going to get entertained for the while that they're in there. I love it. Thank you. That's what I need to hear. By the way, my favorite Roy Jones moment, the day you played basketball on the same day as one of your fights. Remember that? Exactly. Yep. And now take this out. Now what I'm trying to get to let me do is work a corner, commentate, and box in the same court. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get. I try to get HBO to let me do it, but they didn't really give me my feedback on it. So What's up with but, HBO? Uh, do we need to put in a call? What's going on? No uh, love. Nah. I, no, they got love. It just, they, they, they're more concerned about the welfare, which, which, like I said, the welfare is cool. I'm there, but if I'm fighting anyway, you're not saving me. You understand? Because I'm doing it anyway, so we're different than me. <laughs> so it's coming out of a good place, though. They're, 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 they're trying to yeah, look out yeah, for you. Well, maybe yeah, Al Heyman yeah. can make it done. Well, no, I'll say him and HBO had a best uh, relationship <laughs> right now. So That's true. <laughs> so you can't go compete for Showtime? Or could you? That would be weird. No, H- I, no I, I could, but you know, I got a contract with HBO for a commentary that wouldn't allow me to compete on, on Showtime. So, but that seems a little selfish. They don't want you to fight on their network, but they won't let you fight for the, the other big network. That, that, is, that is different, right? <laughs> that is weird, right? That I is, think we need to, we, we need to figure this out. Yeah, it is a little different, but we'll figure it out. All right. All right. Uh, we'll let you go, Roy. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Roy Jones Jr. versus Willie For Real Williams. Cruiserweight main event, 10-card bout this Friday, March 6th, in Charlotte, North Carolina, live on Go Fight Live, GFL.TV for $19.99, beginning at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Give us the prediction. How are you going to beat this guy? I'm going to knock him out one with the other. I mean, strong right now. I'm going hard to the head, going hard to the body. One with the other, I got to get him out of there. Oh, yeah. And let's hear that song before we go. There it is. This is my favorite song. Anyone who doubts this man, anyone who doubts the great Roy Jones, what's the answer? Tell us, Roy. Who is it? Yeah. They must have forgot, Roy. We wish you the best. Thank you for your time. Good luck to you. This has been a great honor for us. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, brother. Keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, must have forgot. One week after his fight, Roy Jones Jr. Boxing presents Battle of the Belts. Oh, yeah, one of my favorite songs. I try to I try to say that line every Fox broadcast possible. They need to make a segment. Y'all must have forgot. Jake Ellenberger, y'all must have forgot. March 13th, the Wico Pa Resort and Casino in Scottsdale, Arizona. Live on Go Fight Live, $14.99 beginning at 10 p.m. That's a week after this Friday. Both cards are on Go Fight Live, as it said. Premier online destination for live combat sports action. And in addition, speaking of GFL, in addition, Roy's... In addition to Roy's fight, excuse me, GFL will offer a total of 11 combat sports events, including Jesse Finney's Shamrock FC, headlined by Bobby Volker versus Justin Guthrie, as well as CFFC 47. GFL does great work. Yeah. Wait, that's it? Song's over? Yeah. There it is. Okay, I'll listen to that all day. Who, who, we should have a Y'all Must Have Forgot Hall of Fame. Who should go up there after every fight? Frank Mir. Y'all must have forgot. Who else? 
Roy Jones, by the way, Ruan Potts came out to Roy Jones on Saturday. Not this song. Someone needs to come out to this song. Yeah, look at that. Bang. Look at him spin rhymes. Boom. Y'all must have forgot. Hey, our next guest could fall under that category. Tam Dan McCrory, y'all must have forgot. The barn cat knocking people out, submitting them. Y'all must have forgot. Man, I really, I really get excited. I listen to that all the time. Y'all must have forgot. Roy Jones, I remember I was an intern, an intern at HBO Sports 2003, my first day. They're like, hey, Ariel. I had this Jufro. I was very awkward. They said, hey, Ariel, we are going to interview Roy Jones. Would you like to come? Ha! Yeah, sure. I'd love to come. Ah, 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 ah. I'd love to meet Roy Jones. It was amazing. And now he's on my show. How about that? Y'all must have forgot. Y'all didn't know I could beatbox, huh? That's such a little taste. Just a little taste. But thank you very much to Roy Jones. Thank you very much to the good people at Go Fight Live for hooking us up with Roy Jones. Back in action this Friday, if you're interested in watching. Not a lot of MMA action this weekend, so check it out. I'm very excited. I'm very amped up. That was fun. But for now, let us go to the Skype machine for our last guest of the day. He could fit under that. Y'all must have forgot category, as I said. I'm talking about the barn cat, Tam Dan McCrory. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I know I've made it to the big leagues when I get to talk to you, man. Oh, you're being, you're being too kind. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. What a story. What a story Tam Dan McCrory is. Unbelievable. Away from the sport since... What was it, 2009? You come back in September, you knock out Brendan Ward in 21 seconds, and then on Friday, you submit Jason Butcher in just a minute, six seconds. Uh-oh, I just, uh, there it is. I just unplugged my, uh, my headset. So after that, that was a great submission, by the way. After it, it seemed like you were saying some stuff to Jason. You were, you were, you were spinning some fire. What did you say to him? No, I wasn't talking to Jason. I was talking to Big John. So oh. <clears throat> we were backstage. And you know how the reps usually come in and, and they give you their uh, give you the spiel of like what I'm looking for, what I don't want you to do, blah, blah. Well, uh, he comes in and I, I, I bust a lot of guys, a lot of these guys balls. Right. And he came in and he was like, uh, here, I'm ready. You got any questions for me? I'm like, yo, man, it's not my first rodeo. Oh, and he goes, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I've had a few more rodeos than you, pal. Oh. All right. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you. And I was like, oh, shh. I was like, oh, man, he is pissed. I was like, I'm sorry, sir. I was like, let's hear it, you know. So he's like, he's like, uh, gives me the whole spiel, you know, if you're down, you know, don't be doing this, don't be doing that. You know, you have any questions? Like, no, sir. Like, whoa, man, like, t push the button. And then uh, I was like, I'm going to make it easy on you, man. Don't worry, all right? Just you just hang out there. I'll, t I'll take care of everything for you. All you got to do is say go and stop. And it'll be over. And uh, so afterwards, when I got done, I was like, I told you I was going to make it easy on you, man. I was like, oh. I told you. 
right? That's what I said. I said I was gonna make it easy on you. Did he respond? So I was busting his balls again. Did he respond? Yeah, he was. He was like, I know, I know, I know. He was, he, he was cool, but he knows I was just busting his balls, and it was just kind of cool to do what I said I was gonna do. Honestly, though, it seemed like you were kind of pissed. Like the look on your face, you you were like yelling at him. I guess the heat of the moment, right? Oh no. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty uh, amped up. Um, it was like one of those things. I was talking with uh, Rick Meglaris, uh earlier in the day, and he was wishing me luck. And <clears throat> I was like, man, you know, he's like, you're gonna knock him out again, huh? And I was like, you know, if I really want to make a statement, I'm gonna have to submit him. And you know, just the way the fight went, I mean, <clears throat> a lot. Of, it's like one of those things, right? You saw saw me. Nobody saw me for five years. I come back, 21 seconds, you know, crack skulls. So <laughs> nobody knows any bit of my game. Nobody knows anything about me other than what they just saw. So it was, like, cool to just, you know, do another upset and really show. I mean, it doesn't take anything away from Jason Butcher. I mean, he's obviously got a ton of skill and heart, and he's been in some dog fights and come out on top, you know. And so there's nothing against him, man. My hat's off to him. You know, he's a good fighter. It just doesn't doesn't degrade anything that he's done all it does is just show people that i've excelled and i've 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 caught up and i've gone to a different level with my game did you want to leave the sport for five years i know you had some injuries uh, you got into a car accident but five years is a long time did you want or were you kind of forced out in the sense like you couldn't get back in after getting released from the ufc um it was like one of those things man a lot of it's timing in life i think and it just seemed like the timing was never right. The opportunity just wasn't there. Or, you know, like who's going to show up for a thousand and a thousand? Or, hey, you can come here and fight, but you got to sell, you know, 400 tickets, you know? And I'm not at that's if you're making me sell 400 tickets, you know, you're the promoter, I'm the fighter. I do right. the fighting, you do the promoting, you know, which <laughs> one sells the tickets. So, um, you know, I think a lot of there was just a lot of like life circumstance and it's like one of those things life life is what happens when you stop training so uh you know I sh- not that I stopped training but I think life stop life is what happens when you stop competing when you get off the warpath you know and uh it just took me a while to get the momentum to come back but uh luckily you know uh Jimmy Benz you know Benz management my manager, he he was one of those guys who was betting on me when I was down in the dumps, man. When I had nothing going for me, when I didn't even ha- really have a uh, the momentum because I had gone through the injuries and all that stuff, you know. But he always held, had my back and he always stood by me and he knew, you know, when I got back, it was going to be a different a different, you know, Barncat 2.0, and that's what we got right now. We're making a good team. Once you got back into Bellator, that's that's really what ignited all of this. Wasn't wasn't it true that right before you got back into Bellator, you were actually thinking of firing your manager because nothing was going on? Yeah, we were having some. Well, it was like it's life circumstance, man. Again, you know, it's like I've never. Everybody who says like I have friends that are like, man, if I believed in luck, you have the worst luck in the world, you know, and and. Uh, you know, he was like, I'm trying, man, I'm trying. But, you know, you're always like, I'm impatient. I can't help it. I mean, I'm, I've never been a patient person. It's not one of my virtues. So <laughs> I was really upset and frustrated because I was like, man, I've been training. I've been training. I've been training. Like, when am I going to fight? When am I going to fight? When am I going to fight? And, like, right when, you know, him and I were getting into it, he was like, on my desk, man, timing, timing, timing. And that's, like, kind of been, like, the motto of our relationship, you know, just give it the time, man. It's going to happen, you know. The timing will be there, and when it is, we're going to capitalize. And so far, that's been exactly what's happened. 
And, uh, you know, for all the trouble that we went through, it just makes everything, you know, sweeter now that we're at where we're at now, you know? How did you make a living when you were out of the sport for five years? I know you teach at the YMCA, right? Jiu-Jitsu. Was that, was that what was bringing home the, the bacon? Yeah, well, for a while I wasn't making any money, but that's another story, man. I don't want to get into too much of my personal dealings and, that's kind of you know, whatever. Though, but right? You were making zero money? I had, I had, well, I've had some, I've had a lot of ups and downs and business dealings and things that I've been involved in, you know, and some of that is, you know, that was in my control and I made bad decisions and a lot of it was outside of my control and with some other things that I was involved with, you know, and I can't really uh, hold anybody else accountable except for myself, you know, because ultimately at the end of the day, I'm the one that makes my decisions. I'm a man. I'm a one percenter. You know, it's going to live or die by me. But, uh, yeah, I was uh, having some tough times uh, for a few years and just scraping by. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of circumstance. And for the for the sake of the people that I'm still tight with and, you know, whatever, I just I don't like to dispel too much of that, you know, like and and uh, it's not really for the public eye because it's not it's not like a public thing. You know, it's a personal thing to me. Um, and I'd like to maintain some of my relationships that I have with the people that are around me. Um, but yeah, I had some financial troubles. I still have financial troubles, right? It's just kind of a, the way things are, you know, when you kind of go down a hole. But I'm climbing myself out, obviously. And ultimately, I got back to what I needed to be doing in the first place because it's easy to go off and do whatever. But the best thing that is for me is fighting. That's mm. me. That's what I'm good at. That's what I can do. I always knew that. I got distracted. I got into other things. Well, now I'm back, and everything that I've been saying or everything that everybody's been saying about me over the past five years is now just coming into the public eye. You guys are seeing what I already know, what my teammates already know. It's just being presented to the world. When's the last time you felt this good about life? Things were going this well for you. Gosh, I can't even remember. Wow. It's pretty. This is like a pretty good like uh, position to be in, you know. I mean, obviously, there's always heartache and struggle in life. You can't avoid it, you know. And it's, you know, like the whole thing with like the material treadmill, right? Like you get one, you get one level, and you're like, oh man, that's not good enough. So you gotta get to the next level, the next level. I'm I'm kind of like a, I've reevaluated a lot of things in my life, and I'm not like chasing money or chasing whatever. Um, I'm just trying to be the best that I can be. And if I do that, the money will come, mm. you know? And, um, you know, all the money money really does is just buy you things and buy you time. And lucky, luckily for me, while I'm trying to make money, I'm having the time of my life because I get to share experiences that, you know, 99% of the world is never going to experience, you know? Were you surprised when you got released from the UFC? It wasn't like you were on a losing streak, you know. I mean, it, w it wasn't the greatest record of all time, but you hadn't lost two in a row. You didn't lost three in a row. That's typically when guys get released. So why do you think you were released back then? And, and did you have a massive chip on your shoulder because of that? Do you still have that chip? No, you know what? I, for, I cannot say anything uh, bad about the UFC or how they treated me. I can't. I can't say anything bad. And that's from my perspective. Maybe other people had different experience, but I took it as what it was. You know, I got released from the UFC at the time that affliction dissolved. Mm. So 
I think they brought in a lot of talent, so they were thinning the herd. And it just so happened that I was one of the herd that got thinned. Right. And I don't have anything against them for that because it's a business. You know, I understand, dude. Like, I'm not one of these guys that can complain about my pay or whatever. I mean, everybody wants to make more. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I, I'm. it's equitable for me to fight. That's why I'm still doing it, you know? Right. Um, if it wasn't, then I would go find a better means, maybe. Actually, I'd probably still be fighting because it's the only thing that I'm truly good at, that I love to do, that I I wake up in the morning and say, how am I going to get better today? You know? Like, what am I going to do to chase the next, your next win, the next title, the next whatever? And that's what I get up in the morning for. I know you weren't a part of the old regime. You're a part of this new Scott Coker era. But what's the vibe like at Bellator? Because I would hear from a lot of fighters in the old regime saying that it wasn't the greatest vibe, all that. I mean, you've, you've been on two shows. The one on Friday was a, a big show, a tentpole, as they call it. Um, compare that to when you were at the UFC when you know they were doing great things a couple of years ago. Um, well, I my first fight was right when Coker took over so i haven't even met bjorn i haven't met anybody from the from the past or whatever yeah all i did all i've done is is known scott the only man i've ever shook hands with you know what i'm saying so um to me you know the first fight that i had you know there were differences like you know i the last time i fought was in the ufc i know exactly how they ran you know i used to know all the guys you know and i heard something about burt leaving what the heck's yeah. with that man you want to got to fill me in yeah, we could talk about that after. I was going to talk about it during the questions, but if you want to hear it, sure, let's talk about it. Yeah, hang on to that. Hang on to that one. We're okay. going to talk about that. Okay, but, okay. But uh, um, so when I came in, you know, I was like bust. I, I was kind of like busting balls, and I was like, man, you know, UFC did it like this, or UFC did it like that. So the guys that were doing it like backstage, I was like kind of busting balls. <laughs> I think I pissed them off. You know, I was just all in good fun. You know, I mean. I enjoyed the show. I think it's well ran. I mean, the guys in the backstage, the Cutman, all those guys. That, I mean, Cutman Q, he's the one who did my hands both times, you know, and he's like freaking awesome, man, you know. Um, and Dean and all those guys, Christian, Ian, um, the guys that are backstage, they all make you feel like a million bucks. They take care of you. It's pretty well ran. You know, every once in a while you run into those snags of like, oh, man, we're sitting here waiting backstage and the weigh-ins and I got to listen to some guy yap for two hours and whatever and let me just <laughs> eat something. But every fighter goes through that. But, I mean, as far as like the way that they ran, you know, this time, this fight, you know, we had some posters. There's little, little differences that like are like, okay, man, we're going in the right I think he's going in the right direction. I saw a difference between the last fight and this fight. Mm -hmm. So if that's a that's just the taste, then what's to come is going to be better, you know, for the fighters. And ultimately, that's who they're trying to please because the fighters perform well. You know, the people buy, tune in, and then it gets better for Bellator. And I, I would imagine Viacom, who owns Bellator, loves a guy like you because you were fighting in the UFC when the UFC was on spike. They've been promoting guys like you either from the Ultimate Fighter or from you know that era of the UFC. So I'm wondering, do you have any sense that, you know, wh wh where you're at in the division? Because I could see you getting a big push now. Do you have any sense where you're at? Good Lord, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, you know, I've, I'll take whatever they can give me, you know. I don't think that, like, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what how they're going to promote me or what their marketing thing is going to be for me. Obviously, now they've got more to talk about and more to discuss, and I'm sure that my manager 
Jimmy Benz will be t- doing some talking with Richard Cho and stuff like that. But um, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I told people, a lot of people say, man, congrats on your comeback, and I tell them it's not a comeback, it's a warpath. You know, I didn't come back because I thought, man, I was gonna just come in and do a few things and maybe look like I kind of still got it. Like, you know, I came back with a vengeance and I came back to just, you know, to do things, to be big, to cement a legacy, to let people know that. You know, who I was at, you got to remember, I was 19, 20, 21, 22, and then I was out. Mm. I'm 28 now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm at the point where guys would just be getting started in the UFC or Bellator, and I've already done it, you know? So it's not like I went backwards. I'd have only gone forward. And I think ultimately my time off, while there were ups and downs or whatever, is actually going to be a blessing because it's not like I've been through five, six years of wars with getting my head knocked in, with everybody talking about this whole brain injury type crap. You know, <laughs> I didn't experience any of that. I experienced injuries in a different way, sure. but, you know, I think I'm going to have a good longevity. I'll be able to make it to 35 fighting pretty easily, you know, without too much so long as I stay healthy. And, and ultimately, that's, that's the real luck of the sport, man, is how you can train and beat your body down so badly to go out there and fight and, and be uninjured and fight and perform at a good level. You know, that's the luck of the sport is how you can stay uninjured, I think, honestly. Do you think you're ready for the big dogs of the division or do you want a bit of a slower build? Because you, you weren't even on the main card of this one. What's up with that? Dude, I'm not so, – I don't but, make those calls. Yeah, but where's the love? I mean, you're, you're, you're a name. You had a great knockout undercard. Come on. Dude, tell me about it. You, want me to talk to you know what? Every, that's a big, talk to him, man. Tell him what's <laughs> up, man. Tell him what the hell you think. I would be shocked. I mean, I'd be shocked if your next fight is on the undercard. Shocked. I would be shocked too. I would be. I would be shocked. I mean, I here's the thing. Um, I can't make I can't make those decisions, right? That's all up to the management, to the matchmaker of how they want to utilize me, how they what matchups they want to, how they want to build me up or whether they don't, whether they just want to throw me to the wolves. I already got thrown to the wolves and you saw what happened. Yeah. So it's not a matter of, yeah. you know, whatever. You know, like come on, man. Like who who seriously like expected me to knock out Brendan Ward besides me, you know? And people that train with me. I mean, I think if you took the average fan or the average person and said, you know, how's this going to go down? They probably thought I was going to come in and be the opponent and get beat, you mm-hmm. know? I guarantee you nobody said, hey, Tamman is going to come in here and fight Jason Butcher. He's already been, you know, the losing end of two submissions of the Knights in the UFC, you know, fighting a BJJ black belt. Oh, he's totally going to, you know, go, transition from a guillotine to an armbar, an armbar. You know, nobody thought that was going to happen. Everybody thought that was nuts. So, you know, I, I just, I, I like to, I like it when the odds aren't in my favor and I like defying them. You know, it takes the pressure off me because if you do, if you know that, you know, losing is what's expected of you, then, well, where's the pressure, man? Because anybody can go out there and lose, you right. know? But right. when you win, then you're you're the man, you know? That's the perfect situation. So I, I, I'll take the big dogs if they want to give them to me. I'll take the slow road if they need to, you know? Either way, you know, I'm trying to climb a little bit income-wise and, like I say, you know, chasing – Green and gold, man. Gold around my waist and the green in my back pocket. And then that's that's what it is, you know? Building a life, building a legacy. Two things I've always wanted to ask you. Where does the barn cat come from? And where does your name Tamden come from? So Tamden comes from 
Um, I have a great uncle on my mother's side named Thomas Dan. And so Tamden is kind of like a conjunction of those two. And like Tam is like means uh, twin or something like that in Scottish or Dutch. I can't remember. But basically Tamden is a conjunction of Thomas, Dan, and then squished uh, together. Okay. So that's where Tamden comes from. And then my, I was like, it's funny because I asked my mom, I was like, what's my middle name? My middle name's Wade, right? W-A-D-E. <laughs> yeah. And so – I'm like, Mom, where's Wade come from? She's like, oh, it sounded good. I'm like, oh, sweet. So, like, my first name has, like, a real, like, sweet, like, family meaning to it because my uh, great uncle never married, never had children, anything like that. And uh, Daniel is a family name um, on my mother's side. So it's like that has been carried through. And then what's your middle name? Ah, well, it sounded like it fit, you know, whatever. Why not, not, man? And uh, the barn cat is because – um, a couple of reasons where I first started training at, um, in New York, we used to train literally in like a Morton building, right? It was like a, kind of like a garage or whatever. And, uh, it, there would be, there was like a abandoned barn, right? It was like right in the middle of a cow field. You know what I'm saying, dude? I mean, think about it like that. And right next to us was an abandoned barn and there would be all these like barn cats, right? Where they would come out of living the dump there's a dumpster outside the barn we always be catching them hopping in there and pulling food out and killing mice and rats or whatever you know whatever was in the fields and stalking around and and one day some guy came in and he's like you know barn cats are like pound for pound the most ferocious animal alive like if you had a thousand pound barn cat versus a thousand pound bear the barn cat would easily kill a bear wow you know and then you know, you think about it, right? They got like little mangled ears and like, you know, like eyeball maybe missing or like a scratch on their face or something. And, but they just kill and they, you know, they got to make ends meet. They, and they're mangy. And, you know, I consider myself kind of mangy looking, you know, maybe a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm not the prettiest, uh, technician sometimes, or at least I definitely wasn't when I first started fighting, man. I looked horrible compared to now. But, um, I always went out there with the tenacity, like, you know, I needed to make, needed to get my bread, you know, and uh, that's kind of what happened. After my first fight, they're like, man, you use no technique at all. You just <laughs> went out there and clobbered a guy. You are, like, totally the barn cat. Like, that's your nickname. I'm like, nah, dude, that's stupid, man. That's horrible. I'm never going to use that. And so my coaches and my trainers at the time put my name down as the barn cat, and I was like, this is so dumb. I hate you guys. But, like, afterwards, every, like, all these drunk fans. And when I was, like, 19, drunk chicks. were sure. like, yeah, the barn cat. Woo, the <laughs> barn cat. I was like, all right. I mean, I guess it's, I guess it kind of clicks. Yeah. And so it's just kind of wrote me. And, you know, it's a cool – it's, you know, whatever. I, that's the only gimmick I have. I'm not a good, really good trash talker. You know, I don't have some huge accolade Olympic wrestling caliber or anything. But um, I'm certainly different, you know. So, you are different. And by uh, the way, you know, let's, let's call it like we see it. I mean, you know, it's thinning up there on, on the top of the head. Do not shave it. Yeah. Don't shave it. This is no, a perfect look. No, pound, pound for pound, best receding hairline. Yes. I think you should run with this as long as possible. I, I want Because you look like the everyman. There's a guy on a couch watching you saying, that looks like me. And look at what he's doing. You could be that guy, so don't shave. Exactly. Don't go all bald on us. I, don't shave. Don't do that. Keep keep running with this thing. It's perfect. It's too much upkeep to shave, man. I Let's see these see. guys with shaved heads, Let's and I'm like, man, you're like married to a mirror and a razor, man. I could never live like that, you know. 
The only time I ever clean shave my face is when I fight. Other than that, I usually have some scruffy ass beard going, you know? I mean, I just, I'm kind of disheveled and mangy looking constantly. I can't really help it. I'm not, you know, but you know, Einstein, right? He wore the same thing seven days a week. Sure. Why right? not? He why just not? focused on what he was doing and I'm the same way. I focus on fighting. I focus on training, you know, taking care of my family. Who cares about what my hair and my beard looks like? Whatever, man. Okay, before we let you go, Burt Watson, you want to hear what I heard? Yeah. Uh, this what? is this is all over the internet. Everyone's talking. Everyone's asking about it. So let's address it. We were going to address it during the uh, the questions period of the show. I, I can't confirm that there was. I guess you can call it a disagreement between Burt and the uh, the UFC brass. I can't confirm that he went home after the weigh-ins, so he was not at UFC 184. Um, any any report or anything like that that he's been fired or quit, I think, is premature. Uh, obviously, they're not on the same page right now. I would expect uh, them to try to clear it up, cooler heads prevailing, all that stuff, because he is, as you can attest to, a gigantic part of the sport and how the thing runs backstage. But yes, as it, as it stands right now, there was a disagreement. He did go back home to Philadelphia. And anyone who was trying to blame Mark Munoz, there was some talk of a... Uh, argument or an incident with Mark Munoz. Nothing happened between Bert and Mark Munoz. I believe something happened pertaining to the Mark Munoz missing weight and, and him, uh, just the, the logistics of it all, but nothing specifically between Mark Munoz and, uh, and Bert Watson. So that's where things stand right now. He, he is kind of on, on, on a, in a rocky spot right now with the UFC, but um, I think saying that he has been fired or quit is, is premature. That's what I know about the Bert Watson situation. Jeez. You know what probably it is? You know like um you know like that movie Falling Down? You know what I'm saying, dude? With, I'm not uh, sure who I was that it. guy? Michael Douglas? Oh yeah. It's, yes, it's like of this course, guy. Of course, like of course. Stock, yes, I've seen it. The, the stockbroker goes on the he just snaps one day and goes on a killing spree. I'm not saying that Burt Watson is going on a killing spree. No, no. What I am saying is that I have met in my lifetime a million different types of fighters or whatever. And I could totally see him just like one day being like, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm going home. I'm not babysitting you kids anymore. Sure. Because, I mean, you know, and I dealt with that at you know, Bellator. Actually, I got a lot of comments from, from those guys who thanked me for, you know, man, you're really professional. You're really like on top of your crap. And I'm like, well, you know, uh, someone around here has got to do it. <laughs> you know, someone's got to be that guy. And, you know, like. Good God, you know, being on weight and having your medicals in on time. I mean, imagine that, you know. <laughs> but, um, dude, I really hope that he comes back. I mean, obviously, you know, he was a, he was like, um, you know, he was like a great, just a great dude. Made you feel like a million bucks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he took care, of, he took care of guys, man. If anybody needed anything, he was the man to handle it, you know. So, um, any interaction I ever had with him was always positive, except for when I was. Um, my first UFC fight, I would, I like, didn't make one of the weight checks or something like that. Oh. And he was, he chewed me up and down one side and the other. <laughs> and, uh, after that we were cool though, you know, well, he, he always was, knew. He's a living legend. He's a very, very important part of the sport and the UFC and what goes on backstage. Anyone who's been there knows that. So hopefully they work it out and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let them do that for now. I want to wish you. All the success in the world. Congratulations on a great return to MMA. 2-0 now in Bellator. I hope you're on the main card. I hope you have a big fight next. And I appreciate the time. This has been great catching up. Hey, man. Thanks so much. You know, I got to thank you guys for uh, letting me 
come on here and be a part of the big leagues, getting on the Ariel Hawani show, man. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Only mm-hmm. only good things, man. Big all right. All the best to you. All right, buddy. Take care. There he is, the Barn Cat, Tam Dan McCrory, looking great as of late in Bellator 2-0. Nice story as well. Y'all must have forgot Tam Dan McCrory. So that's that's the story as far as Bird is concerned. I know a lot of people ask me about it. A lot of people are asking, are you going to talk about it? Are you going to talk about it? I had to gather the info, and yes, uh, I, I I did. You know, I did hear about all that. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much what I heard. Now you hear things here or there. You need to confirm these things. You need to make sure they're on the up and up. But what I just relayed is what uh, what I had heard and what I am pretty certain is in fact true so let's hope Bert no one will say anything bad about that guy like I said a living legend a guy who really 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 puts it all together for the UFC backstage and as of late you know that he has received a lot more attention you know he got that award at the MMA awards he uh he comes out before the Wayans if you've ever been to those um but that's all the show that's all them just pushing you know a, a character who is a great hype man, if you will. This guy's been around combat sports forever. Way back in the day, in the AOL days, we had him on the show, and it was great. Um, And I believe he's writing a book, so that should be really cool. Every time I've seen him at any event, the nicest guy, always so positive, energetic, happy to be there, will fly all over the world, even after having surgery in his 60s, a true love of life. And, uh, And I hope that they figure out whatever disagreement they had and that he's back for the next event, which would be Dallas, because he's he's an important part and he's a guy that is irreplaceable. He is a huge part of the sport and what goes on backstage. So our best to Bert. I did reach out to him just to tell him that, hey man, thinking of you, hope everything works out, but I have not heard back from him. Some breaking news. Ronda Rousey, remember at the post-fight press conference, I asked her what her next movie would be and I just got it right here, courtesy of Variety. She's going to star in a movie entitled Mile 22, an action pick with Peter Berg on board to produce. Peter Berg, is that the guy from Friday Night Lights? Anyone? 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 I think they're sleeping back there. Friday Night Lights? Peter Berg. Yes, there you go. Uh, So there you have it. That's the movie. And speaking of Ronda Rousey, let us go inside the vault. Our choice for Inside the Vault this week is Ronda Rousey. Which fight in particular? Well, it's the fight that happened exactly three years ago tomorrow, March 3rd, 2012. It was in Columbus, Ohio. Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, number one. Of course, Ronda Rousey wins the belt. She wins via armbar. It lasted... Four minutes and 27 seconds, which is longer than her, like, what, her last four fights combined, three fights combined. Um, it was a great event. It was, it was the moment that brought her to the forefront. It was the moment that, you know, she won her first belt. It was the moment that the UFC truly started to believe that women's MMA can actually be a thing. And, uh, and it happened three years ago tomorrow. And if you remember, the Monday after that show, she was on this show. Wow, wouldn't that be fun to look back at? She was on this show... And Dana White called her in the middle of our interview. She was in the car, I believe, with Marina Shafir. Boy, have times changed. Dana White called her to congratulate her. And then she left me on hold and forgot that we were on hold and then came back yelling, screaming, 
happy as can be about Dana White calling her. Now here she is, the face, many can argue, of women's MMA, the face, obviously, of women's MMA, face of MMA, period, face of the UFC, um, a gigantic star doing great things, and I can assure you that she made more money than what is being disclosed. That's just par for the course, and you know that. So stop getting all up in arms about that. But I thought it would be fun to go back to uh, March the 3rd, 2012, Columbus, Ohio, moments after Ronda Rousey became the new Strikeforce Women's Bantamweight Champion. No one has held that belt. Of course, it became the UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion after they they dissolved that promotion and brought it into the to the UFC. So I wanted to go back and look at that. This is a young Ronda Rousey, a wide-eyed Ronda Rousey, a humble Ronda Rousey, as she always is. Look at her at the press conference on Saturday, very humble, looking down, doesn't want to speak about herself these grandiose terms after the fact. And you saw a lot of that in my chat with her after that fight. So here it is, March 3rd, 2012, after her first win over Misha Tate in Columbus, Ohio. Ariel Hawani post-fight at Strikeforce in Columbus alongside the new Strikeforce women's bantamweight champion, Ronda Rousey. And Ronda, congratulations on the win. A huge win for you. Overall, were you happy with your performance? Uh, yeah, I'm really happy because I won. You know, I don't really remember that much what goes on in my fights. I have to rewatch them later, you know. So, um, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm I'm not happy with my wardrobe choice. I'm never going to wear shorts this short again because I remember being in the middle of the fight and thinking, oh, my God, my shorts. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I learned so far. <laughs> so that was the only negative out of the fight, your shorts. The only negative was my shorts, yeah. What were you thinking after the first minute when you went for the arm bar? Everyone knew it was coming. You had it, and then she got out of it. What was going through your mind? Oh, I, I didn't feel like I, I had that one very well. I, was, I went into the position to try and improvise from there, but um, I didn't feel very secure in it from the beginning. So I wasn't the least bit discouraged when, when I lost it because felt, it felt like very loose. I didn't th think I had it. After that, um, the fight sort of transitioned on the feed, and she tagged you a couple times. Did she hurt you at all? No, I'm going to be. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. And then how did you set up the... The, the finishing armbar, because again, we all knew it was coming, and obviously you had the great throw to the ground, and that's when things started, but how did you set it up? Um, well, she was in a position where she had to, you know, give up an arm and defend herself, or else the fight would have been stopped. So um, I wouldn't have given up such a dominant position unless I was sure I, I, I had it. And so um, I was just setting her up to defend herself, and when she, when she did, and then I went for it. What do you think this says to the critics out there who said that you didn't deserve this? You know, what, what do you think this right here says to them? It says they're wrong. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah. Okay, just give, just give me a couple minutes here, just talking to the champion. Okay, so um, who do you think you should fight next? Do you think it's fair that, 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 that Sarah, or is there anyone else out there that you think you should fight? Um, I think the most fair thing to do is to give uh, Sarah Coffin, you know, the shot, but it's not my call and it's not her call. So whatever the fans and, um, you know, strike force want, then I'll do it. And we're used to people sort of squashing their beef um, after the fight is over, but it didn't seem like you were interested in doing that. No, no, after, after the weigh-ins, when... Um, Misha like got in my face and I pushed her back and then she went on she went on her Twitter and said I should be fine for headbutting her I'm like you know I just thought that was not very respectable you know before I was willing to give her a, a benefit of a doubt but after that then no we're not cool do you think your life will change now you know we saw what happened after the first big women's fight and we haven't seen Gina back do you think you're going to get a lot of offers people try to take you away from MMA are you here to stay a lot of people are worried about this I'm here to stay don't worry about it you know I got a belt now and I, I need to defend it it's my job do you almost feel like you saved women's MMA here tonight because of this performance doing it on this stage um, I, I think I think I did something very positive for it you know and I think there are a lot of girls doing very positive things for it and you know, I don't think anyone does this single-handedly, but I think this is a big deal. 
least for me. <laughs> Final question. Um, what does this mean? You, you dedicated this win to your father, and uh, obviously that's something that uh, is, is very emotional for you. If you could just sort of put into words, what does this mean considering the fact that prior to the fight, you dedicated the fight to your father, your late father? Um, well, I don't know. I just um, I feel like what he told me that I could do when I was a kid and when everyone thought that um, you know there was something wrong with me and he was the one that had confidence in me, it's just... I don't know. I feel like I finally fulfilled that, and um, I kind of feel an inner peace that I didn't have before. Congratulations, Rhonda. Fantastic performance. Thank you. All right, so there you have it. Of course, since then, she has steamrolled through everyone, defeated Sarah Kaufman in 54 seconds, defeated Liz Carmouche, the first-ever UFC women's fight, four minutes and 49 seconds in Anaheim. Then she defeated Misha Tate again. Only time she's gone past the first round, that was in the third round, 58 seconds in. Sarah McMahon, minute six. Alexis Davis, 16 seconds. Katzengano, 14 seconds. Unbelievable stuff. And if you noticed, I was kind of uh, speaking quickly during that interview. Someone was telling us to wrap up. I was like, I'm speaking to the champ. Leave me alone. Give me two seconds. Made the trek all the way out here. It was uh, the, the Arnold's. And by the way, I failed to mention at the beginning of the show when I was talking about a very big weekend for MMA, I failed to mention our guy Liam McGeary winning the Bellator Light Heavyweight title, a tremendous performance against Emmanuel Newton. What a, what a fight that was. Maybe a fight of the year candidate. We'll see. But he is now... Now, I know there are some people saying he's the first British fighter to win a major title. Fine. I guess technically, but... Look, with all due respect, I think Bellator is doing great things. It was a great show. looked great. We got McCrory on. Uh, you had other great performances. Um, King Mo defeating Czech Congo. Paul Daly winning. Yada, yada, yada. But, 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 but. This is, not the, this is not the title, and I think everyone would agree with that. Even Liam himself. Still a great moment. That's why I don't feel like we need to put it in those terms. But he is the new champion. He's undefeated. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I know there were some people in our studio who didn't believe he can get this done, but he has shut up the naysayers. He has done so. Lee McGeary, champion. How about that? Great stuff. All right, let's go to the questions. I know someone who's surprised about Liam. Accurate? Uh, I think Will left. Okay, yeah, Will's gone. Um, Mark's filling in. Will uh, took off. Fresh from UFC 184. There he is, Mr. New York Rick. Thank you, thank you. Fresh from Invicta and UFC 184. Yes, you were there. Um, I just think it's good that, you know, the guy who's trying to rush you with Rousey found employment at Shrine Expo um, <laughs> Hall. And uh, I have a very, I have a very you didn't funny, keep him unemployed for too long. I have a very funny story about that. Um, you're, you're referring to the Ronda interview, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I have a funny story about that, but I won't get into it here. <laughs> okay, tell me But later. also kind of funny that the same thing happened on Friday. Did indeed. Now, can we address this? Sure, let's let's. Uh, so a let's lot of people may know. I mean, it's not a secret. You work in PR. I do, four days a week. Yep, Jack Taylor PR. Jack Taylor PR, and one of your clients just so happens to be Invicta. Yep. And there I am. I think working with you and your team for the first time, right, in an event. Actually, no. Well, yeah, because when I went to Glory, I wasn't yeah, really you, working. You, yep. Yeah, yeah. So working, and you know, I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be great. You know, I'm going to get <laughs> interviews, getting exclusive, all this stuff. And you know, I, I, I mentioned a few times, although you claim to have not heard me, I mentioned a few <laughs> times that I wanted a post-fight interview with Shannon Knapp, of course, the president of Victor. Yep. And the winner of the Cyborg fight, and the winner of the co-main event. 
Grasso Inoue. Yep. And uh, then I get to the press conference. First off, the press conference was late, and everyone's tired. It's like 11 uh, p.m. at well, that point. It's been a long day, weigh-ins and whatnot. Um, and press conference over. Okay, who do you want? You want you want Cyborg, right? No, no, no. I told you I wanted Shannon, winner, winner. Okay, okay, we'll figure that out. We do Shannon. That's fine. It's over. It's okay. I think it lasted like, what, six minutes, seven minutes, something like that. We had to recap the event. It's a big moment for her. We start interviewing Grasso, and like two minutes in, I'm being told to rap. And like no one's there. There's no media. All I hear is you guys complain that you don't get enough media. MMA fighting's there. ESPN is there. Everyone's there. And I'm being told to rap Alexa Grasso. Rap. All right. Like in the middle of the interview, they're talking to me to rap. And then, and then we try to do Cyborg, and we have to leave the room, and the, everyone's staring at us, giving us the stink eye. Everyone's giving us crap for being there. We're like, the thing lasted 20 minutes after the press conference. We're trying to do post-fight interviews. Never get this. I'm not used to this kind of, you know, this, this amateurish behavior. I'm used to the big leagues. People are kicking me out. What is that? I'm still kind of pissed off about it, to be honest. Now, do you have anything to say for yourself? I mean, man, ESPN's there. They're not complaining like this. Unbelievable. Yeah, because they only did one interview. <laughs> now, two, I'll say two things to this. One, I, I, for the life of me, do not remember um, you telling me the, the three interviews you wanted. But I will, I will grant that I was quite busy, and uh, it's, it's very likely and possible that you told me that. Um, so that was my fault. Kind of besides the point. But the, the second thing about, I mean, that's not, I, there's nothing I can do about the press conference being late. The event was late. And I can't do anything about the security guard. If you if you watch the interview that Ariel did with, uh, with Chris, no 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 with Chris yeah, um, you can hear the guy saying, "What was he saying? We got to get everybody out of here." He just kept repeating it, trying to ruin the interview. Um, oh my the, god! The that security guy. guard from uh, from the venue, which is what I was alluding to with the with the Rousey. You saw pissed off Helani get out just a little bit, right? Oh, you <laughs> you the confrontation. I was gonna lay the smackdown because <laughs> he was he's like you could have done it downstairs. I said you didn't offer me that. You didn't tell yeah. me I could do it downstairs. Look, far be it for me to tell a PR person how to PR, but isn't that a conversation that you maybe have with that guy and say, look? These guys are doing an interview. They're the last ones here. Can you just let them do it? For yeah, we minutes? had that conversation. His answer was, no? get the F okay. out. How do we fix this situation? Can we go downstairs? Is there another room? And why did he want to go? When I went downstairs, guess what? He was sitting with his cronies just talking. Yeah, like, watching, the, watching the ring get broken down. Yeah, what doing were nothing. they doing? I don't understand. Listen, it's people who just want to go home. Lazy <laughs> bums. Um, but it was a, sex, a successful event. Sure. We got the interviews. We did, but they were a little rushed. No, not Shannon's. That was a nice one. Yeah, I know, but I wanted to interview the fighters too. Oh, I know. I, I mean, wanted you to, and you and you did. Did you though? And we appreciate. Or did you guys it. want to go home and eat or something? It <laughs> felt like everyone. There's nothing that pisses me off more than when you do an event and then the event is over, and we're like, oh, we got our stuff. We got our stuff. It's all good. We got the pre-fight promotion. We got the articles. We got the videos. We got all that. Press conference over. Okay, see you later, everyone. And then everyone just rushes out. When let's be honest, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong. You you might know more than I. The fighters want to talk, right? Oh, yeah. They want to talk. They, they, they want to bask in the glory. There's no pressure anymore. There's no weight cutting involved. They want to talk. Why are you rushing us out? I don't get it. Why? Not I. I wish it was my call. Hmm. Don't, don't even try this. Don't are, even play are, this are game. Are we passing the buck? Listen, who, who, was, who was screaming in your face? Was it me or was it the security guard? Well, you know that if you were screaming in my face, you know, the... The, uh, the fallout. Destruction. <laughs> You know, you could you could never do that. But but I mean, 
I, I, I felt like there could have been a conversation. I had the conversation. And the answer was, so you're saying the that F the client, out. the client can't control the security of the venue. Well, I mean, I, I suppose that the, the, uh, the venue is only rented for a certain amount of time. I don't know, but I can't, uh, BS. Anyway, let's not put a damper on what was a great evening for women's MMA. Great yeah. evening for MMA. How about it that? Card. It was a nice card. A lot of luminaries there. Wow. It was all kinds of celebrities. And then they announced July 10th, they're going to be back in Las Vegas teaming up. I think every event should be you know, linked up with a UFC one. There's another one uh, April 10th, correct? Correct. Uh, that is not because the UFC is in Poland and that event isn't happening in Poland. Where is that event? No location yet. Okay. Maybe it's Poland. Possible? It is not Poland. Krakow? It is not Poland. No. Um, but I will make sure to have a conversation with the uh, be security nice. there. It'd be nice. Or maybe we just won't come. How about that? We'll put our big boy pants on and leave. Listen, we'll get, I'll, I'll stand on camera with... Uh, and do the with interview. Casey. Yeah, the PR guy. The <laughs> PR guy doing the interview. Um, but yes, it was nice. Let us answer some questions. We were running out of time. We don't have time to waste. Uh, are you rushing us out of here? I'm not. I oh, just okay. want to have enough I just want to make sure. I want to have proper time. You can have a conversation with the... Uh, the security? The security. Maybe he can be one of our cronies here. <laughs> Tell he'll, us when to wrap the interviews. No, he, he'll, uh, he'll fight for us to have the more time. We'll utilize him. That'd be great. We'll go to 4.45. No, trust me. I, I've, I've dealt with the, uh, the brass over here. They don't appreciate that. One right. minute over, Will goes nuts back there. Starts throwing things, breaking the TVs. All right, let's do it. Let's okay. do it. Okay. Uh, who's next for Ronda? If Cyborg isn't able to make weight uh, for Ronda Rousey's return to Hollywood, who do you think should have a crack at her belt next? Uh, Betch Cohea, Holly Holm, or uh, James says, my personal favorite is another Misha Tate matchup. After all, she has come closest to beating her uh, by going longer. Well, first off, it's great to hear from my man, James. I love James Glory. Anyhow, it has to be Betch Cohea. That's the only answer. It's the only answer. With all due respect, James, the Misha Tate was close, the second one, or at least the closest that anyone has, 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 has gone to, to actually finishing her or beating her or actually taking her into the championship rounds basically the only person to go past the first round, but we've seen it twice. And she's 2-0, and I'm not a huge fan of a third crack when you've already lost two. So it's got to be Betch. Like I said at the top, she's a great personality. She flew from Brazil. She's been calling her out for a long time. She took down two of the horses. And you know she'll promote the fight. Now, she can't speak English, but she does a great job of pushing her buttons. It'll be intense. Think about those stare downs. I, I, I think that's the way to go. I think that's the most fun fight. It's, it's the most promotable fight. And, you know, maybe, maybe she has the style. Do I think Betch Cohera wins? No, but maybe she roughs, roughs her up. Maybe she makes it a little dirty. Who knows, who knows? No one's on her level right now in the UFC, in my opinion. But I'd like to see Jessica I get one more fight to build her up and then be in that discussion. Betch Cohera seems like the, the most logical answer, in my opinion. Do you agree? Sure, but I, I mean, I said this when the Gina Carano fight was thrown around. It's Ronda Rousey is number one, and then everybody's tied for 500th. It doesn't really matter. Outside of Cyborg, I don't really care who she's matched up with. Sure, Betch Cohea, sure. Uh, Holly Holm, sure. She's going to destroy them within a round, all of them. So unless it's Cyborg, line them up. It doesn't really and matter. And it's not Cyborg next. We know that because, A, she was announced for July 10th. Yep. And what do you make of that? I mean, you've been around her. Do I think she could make 135, you're saying? No, no, no. I don't feel like she really wants to, to be oh, honest. Oh, she wants it. Really? She so, 100% wants it. So why it. does she say all these things in the press? She just doesn't want to... 
play that game. She doesn't feel what do you like mean? Needs- in the pre- in the post fight press conference, she, she said one forty five, one forty. It's not happening. I, and 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 stop coming to me and saying like, oh, Ronda would go up for. Uh, for Gina, oh, uh, Anderson Silva went up. It doesn't matter. They said it's not happening. Who cares? Stop bringing those up. They are not going to do it. For their reasons, they're not going to do it. So what's the point? Well, I understand why they wouldn't do it. I understand of course. the champion at 135 saying, you have to come down to me if you want it. But I just don't think Cyborg can make 135 and keep her health. Like it, she, is, she is very large, and it's going to be tough. I, I, I just can't see it happen. I mean, I'm sure she's going to try at some point because... I 100% believe she wants to fight. And Why she can't wants the it next badly. fight be at 135? She has, what, three, four months? I don't months. think it's that easy. No, 135 f- is not. Let's try. Don't even announce what weight the next fight is at. Do a test cut. You have four months to get ready. You didn't get any damage in this fight. Let's try. Let's give it the old college try. I mean, you, got you George can give... Well, like, this is the fight. This is your chance to make money. That's the part I don't understand. Who's going to benefit the most from fighting Ronda Rousey? You, not us. Yes, but... I mean, you could give somebody infinite time. They can't. Sometimes you just can't get down to a so weight class. So why do we keep talking can't. about it? It's not happening because nobody can challenge Ronda Rousey. We keep talking about it because everybody else at 135 isn't good enough to beat Ronda Rousey. That's why we keep talking about it, right? Now. And that's just the truth of the situation. Nobody at 135 is even in her like in her ballpark. They're somewhere else, and the and that's the reason is because Chris is a 145er, and she's obviously very very good and people want to see it but the truth of the matter is somebody at 135 has to come up to challenge rousey before and that will that well, it's will... right now it's right now i mean who would have thought chris weidman when he was living out of his parents basement would beat anderson silva so these things take time like kendra gracie said there's someone training somewhere who might beat her one day hopefully she's around she wants to retire undefeated but well it's i mean anderson silva wasn't going out there and destroying everybody in a round he kind of was i mean no, not in a round no, on a 10 no. second, but he was destroying them and you get the sense that if he really cared like he was clowning around in a lot of those fights he couldn't want those fights earlier no the point is if you really want it why aren't you banging that drum why aren't you doing what betch cohea is doing that's the part I don't understand. Betch cohea is a 135er it's not the same you're saying oh why isn't the person who's who is a, is clearly a 145-pound fighter um, who's incredible at that weight class. Why, why aren't they banging the drum? Uh, and who's also successful and is headlining cards by herself. Why isn't she banging the drum to get down to 135 to fight Ronda Rousey? As opposed to the person who has nothing to lose, who isn't really that who hasn't established themselves yeah, yeah. as an MMA fighter at 135, of course they're going to be banging the drum. Okay, here's my response. Here's my response. She already announced her intentions to fight a 135 once. At one point, she thought she could do it. Then she got injured, right? Uh, yep. So at one point, she believed it. It's not so out of left field. She believed it. She agreed to it. So why not do it again? Listen, I think she is going to try it. I think she is going to try it. Um, I think the fight will happen. I disagree I, with Brian Stan. I think the fight happens. Listen, I, I think everybody in the sport, everybody involved wants that fight to happen. All the fans... The media would love it. Uh, the Ronda Rousey and Chris herself want it, I'm sure. Um, and I think it, it will probably happen, and Chris will probably try to get down to 135. But I don't think it's as easy as just, okay, why isn't this fight happening? It's not a situation. I mean, look how long uh, Pacquiao Mayweather took to put together. There's just, there's just reasons why th- these things don't happen. And for now, this is not happening. 
And by the way, I do agree with the idea that she has to make it somewhere else. You can't take that risk. Oh, of course. So no, that's I, why I, agree I feel with that like as well. the Bellator thing, excuse me, the Invicta thing is, is, is perfect. You got four months now. Hopefully. See, what I had heard, which is what I brought up, Robert Sargent said he heard something different. I heard that it was a three-fight deal where the first fight would be at 145 for the belt, the second fight would be at 135 for Invicta, and the third fight would be in the UFC, of course, if she wins all those fights. That's the question I asked Dana White. That's the one that he gave me the runaround. And I love all these people saying, oh, Dana White pwned you. Just, can you just relax? Just I've been here pwned in a minute. Yeah, I hear it all the time because these people don't know what they're saying. <laughs> How about this? And uh, look, I'll be that Huckleberry, no problem legitimate question and it had it had nothing to do with the other question that was asked earlier by Stephen Morocco but you know how that goes David St. Martin tweeting out a death glare courtesy of one New York Rick I saw it what yeah check it out I don't know uh I have the questions up but I'll look at it later okay uh next question we know how amazing Ronda is and how tough Kat Zingano is but what do you think the casual fan sees Ronda as do they believe uh she is as good as we see her to be do you think someone tuning in and seeing her finish opponents uh, without breaking a sweat just makes them think she's fighting quote-unquote bums and not the same caliber as the men's division? Which, which do you think it is? I don't know what those casual people are thinking. To me, it just makes me think that she's incredible, that she's unbelievable, that she's, she's a superstar, that she's on a whole other level. I don't think it necessarily diminishes her opponents. These, these are solid fighters. Perhaps they're not on a level, and that's why she's champion and they're not. Um, to me, my reaction on Saturday was this was it. Cat starts running. Holy crap. What is she doing? Could, and, and I'll be honest, you know, like there's a lot of armchair quarterbacking going on. I was like, wow, could this be it? Nope. It's not it. Down submission. Holy crap. She did it again. I kind of wish I could see a little more, but holy crap. She did it again. She's unbelievable. I kind of wish I could see more, but wow. I'm so happy that I'm here. I'm so happy that I witnessed it. The crowd seems okay. It's like all of these, these emotions. I tell you, that's a lot more fun than, you know, a five round snooze fest. I tell you, that's a lot more fun than a 12 round snooze fest. We're going to compare it to boxing. So to me, what I'm thinking is, and I see all these people saying, well, you're not getting your money's worth. If I'm inviting friends over to watch a Ronda Rousey fight, and I'm trying to convince them a little bit to come, they're kind of on the fence, you're going to see something spectacular. This will not be boring. It might last 10 seconds, but let me tell you, this is going to be amazing, and you'll be talking about it, and our jaws will be open, and we'll be excited, and we'll be pumped, and it'll be an event. This is what sports are all about, and it's very unique because when you sit down to watch the Cavs and the the Rockets, you know you're getting four quarters, but this is what combat sports are all about. It can end in a flash. Isn't that, isn't that why we watch? To see the unexpected? I love it. I love everything about it. There's no way this is bad for anyone involved. I except agree for with, the opponents. I agree with you, and I think the comparison to boxing is a little off-base anyway, just because, uh, you know, specifically Mike Tyson in this case. You don't like Mike Tyson. Roy, by the way, Roy Jones Jr. No, 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 no. You're, you're misunderstanding. Okay, you're okay, misunderstanding. Okay, okay, Let okay, me okay, finish yes, before yes, you yes, jump yes. in okay, there okay, for okay, a second. Okay. All right, all right, all right. The point being that when you're paying for a boxing fight, you're paying for one fight. You're paying for Mike Tyson yeah. versus X. Yeah. When you're paying for a UFC card, it has never been the case where you're essentially paying for one fight. Now, people will say, you know, oh, there's the John Jones, what was it, 159, where it was essentially John and Chael and not much else. And people are yeah. saying, oh, this is one card based around this one fight. Well, you, you, as a fan, you feel that way. You're not, you're not, you're not loving the rest of the card. But the, the point being that that is a full card that they're presenting to you. And oftentimes a boxing card is one fight and then you know, guys who haven't been on TV before and things like that. So when you're paying for that card, it, the, like last night's card, for example, um, 
that was a that was a relatively weak card compared when compared to some of the other uh, pay per views that we've had this this year already. Would you agree with that? The the card on paper, on paper going in or going out? No, going in, going in. Eh, not yeah. not wi- not including the fights that were scrapped. I'm saying the the card with the final card. Yes, the final card going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay, so. Um, even in that case, you're at least getting a few fights, even if they're not, you know, the, the, the fights that, that were initially announced, you're, you're still getting, you're paying to see, um, you know, Holly Holm and you're paying to see, uh, Gleason Tebow versus, uh, Ferguson, Ferguson and Josh Koscheck versus Ellenberger. Um, you're, you're, you're not just paying to see Ronda Rousey fight. If it was the case where it was essentially three undercard fights and then Ronda Rousey. I don't, I'm not so sure everybody be paying for it. But that's not the structure that we're dealing with mm-hmm. with MMA and specifically the UFC. So I don't think that we can necessarily um, say, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I'm getting my money's worth when I, when I tune into a Ronda Rousey pay-per-view. And originally, she wasn't even going to be headlining the card. Right. So I think this whole idea is, is silly, and I don't think that there's necessarily that sentiment. At least I haven't heard it except for people who want to put that forth as something they're, you know. I, I've never heard that from anybody who follows MMA very casually, but, you know, they were, they were looking forward to the Ronda Rousey fight. And I haven't heard anything to the point where, oh, I'm not going to ever watch UFC again because of this. Um, I think that that's something from inside the bubble that is trying to be contrarian and trying to put forth this thing that Ronda Rousey's fights are somehow uh, quick fights are somehow a detriment to to people ordering pay-per-views which I don't I don't think is possible to be honest but you get the mic t- uh, again I'm yes, not comparing my thing it, is not I'm not comparing the people I'm not comparing the personalities I'm just comparing the last time I felt like there was a fighter where you weren't bummed that it ended so quickly like if sure okay if Pacquiao Mayweather ends in 14 seconds we're going to be bummed. Yes, right? because you're paying $100 for that one fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. paying $100 for Ronda Rousey. You're paying $100 for Ronda Rousey, the co-main event, the third fight, the fourth fight, the fifth fight. Although you could make the case that this time you were paying to see Ronda fight, right? I mean, most people yeah, were well, there. Yes, this was a relatively yeah. weak card. Sure. Um, 170 also. Remember when she fought McMahon? Although that was supposed to be DC versus... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not trying to do it that way. No, um, I know, but I know. She, it's crazy. Um, anyway, all right, we've we've covered this. Next question: Could Zingano be in the Chad Mendez role now? She's obviously the number two at Women's 135. Her post-fight interview is one of the most heartfelt moments in the UFC ever. Um, that one that she did live was interesting. Do you see her getting a title shot again after a bunch of finishes, or just linger at number two like Chad Mendez? Well, again, Chad Mendez lost twice to Jose Aldo, so I don't know if that's a fair comparison, to be honest. Yep. Um, I think she's in the Sarah McMahon territory. You lost a quick fight to the champion. There aren't a lot of contenders. A couple wins, and you're back in there. Now, Sarah stumbled against Misha Tate, but if Sarah would have beaten Misha Tate, I think she would have been maybe one fight away. So, but everybody who's lost to Ronda Rousey is in that same situation except for Misha Tate. So this Sarah, one, Sarah Kaufman. Absolutely. This one was Sarah so McMahon. freakish. This one was so freakish that I would be down to see it again, but not right now. Not right now. I want to see the new ones. I want to see Betch Cohea, of course, holding out hope that uh, that Chris Cyborg happens. Just guy, if she gets a win, 
I like to see new challenges, but sure. I, I still think that there's a fight to be sold there. You can obviously build up, and I loved every every single thing. I'm I'm very happy that Katzengano went to the post fight press conference. To be honest, it was a little uncomfortable to watch the post-fight interview because you could tell how frustrated uh, she was and how it was coming out. But I love what she said about, I don't remember the quote now off the top of my head. She said something about, I, I don't always take the easy route, but I, I usually find my way around. And, and, and her looking at Dana, wow, what a moment that was, saying, who's number two? I want them right now. I mean, you could tell she's very motivated. Let's see what happens. And maybe she can get a little... Um, a little more on a, 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 a regular schedule as far as fighting is concerned, but I'm okay with it. Look, if you're going to lose, better to lose like that where you can claim that it was a freakish, stupid mistake than to get thoroughly dominated for three rounds and, and then lose. I'd rather see a Katzengano rematch at this point than a third Misha Tate fight. Let's put it that way. I feel like rematches in this sport come in all different ways. Like, you know, TJ Dillashaw beat the brakes off Henan Burrell for five rounds, and he's going to get a, a rematch. He was supposed he was to the get champion. One. He was the champion. Yeah, but... The, the point being that it doesn't matter. I don't think the outcome of the fight, whether it was long or short, really matters as much as just mi- proving your case once, uh, once you get the opportunity. So after this fight, if Kat Zingano, you know, comes back firing on all cylinders, just destroying uh, challengers, she's going to be right back in there. Uh, the same for anybody else. If, you know, the, the, the people who had fought Ronda Rousey before are faltering. That's the case. Uh, you know, Misha Tate hasn't looked spectacular lately uh sarah mcmahon just lost to misha tate um we need somebody who's going to come up and look like the worthy challenger kat zingano was that person now and if somebody else comes along or and it can be cat again um they will get the title shot and i don't think i don't think any of these quick losses will matter in the long run uh in terms of get, securing yourself a second shot i wonder who's next it's a good question maybe the winner of kaufman davis that makes a lot of sense right yeah we shall see. Next question. Uh, everyone was so quick to point out Holly Holmes' flaws after that fight, but what did you think of Raquel Pennington uh, and what she was able to do in there? Honestly, I wasn't I dis- think- Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Keep going. Keep uh, going. Let's see. Was there much more? Uh, this person thinks, Gator thinks, I think she was much improved and gave Holly a much better fight than expected. What would you like to see next for both of them, Holly and uh, Raquel? And he suggests Jessica I versus Holly Holm. I think I Holm is a little early for a home. Um, I'd like to see her get a bit of a slower build, especially because you don't want to kill off one of those contenders, two potential matchups for Ronda Rousey. There aren't a lot of options. That fight was what I expected. I, I spoke to someone. Uh, the only, Actually, what I predicted backstage, and you can ask the people back there, I said unanimous decision, 30 to 27. It ended up being a split decision. I, that was kind of, you know, whatever. But uh, the 29-28 was the right call. Well, that was the right call, 100%. Two rounds, first two going to Holly, third round going to Raquel. Um, but I didn't think that Holly would be able to finish Raquel. She's super tough, great chin, a very hard out. And Raquel, give her a lot of credit, as as is being brought up here, kept going, even you know quickly dropped Holly in the third round. She just kind of ran out of time, a little too much, a little too late. Um, but I was fine with it. I expected that. I thought it was interesting that her manager, Holly Holmes' manager, uh, told me afterwards, Lenny Frescas, who's a tremendous guy, my first time meeting him, he's been on the show once before. She was talking all week long about how nervous she gets. And he told me that she didn't seem as nervous as usual. Now, she kind of poured cold water on that in the post-fight press conference. But, you know, that's, that's a weird thing. Like, why wouldn't you be nervous? It's funny how the, the mind works sometimes. I expect the next time we see her, she'll be better. 
She seemed a little, you know, Tim, it's your first time in the UFC. There's a lot of pressure. You know, there's a lot of money involved. You've been talking about this. You've been, you know, part of this, this, this story for a long time. People wondering when you'd make it to the UFC. You have a great team behind you. There's a lot of pressure on you. So that, fine, that fight was fine, in my opinion. And uh, it was pretty much what I expected. And, and yes, I, I give Raquel uh, a lot of credit as well. Uh, like I said, Jessica, I think, is a little too early. Next, you know, I like that Marion Renault idea. Marion Renault is ranked 10th. In the UFC rankings, home ranked 13th. They're fighting around the same time. What do you think of that? It's a great fight. As for Raquel, I'm not sure. I mean, there's a lot of opponents there. Maybe Jessica Andrade, who just lost to Renault. You know, you got to see who's, who's matched up when. But Renault home seems to me like the perfect fight and the kind of fight that Renault was talking about, a big fight on the cusp of getting in there. And uh, and I think that's a solid win for Holly if she if she beats Marion. Yeah, that's a great matchup. Our next question: What did you think of Josh Koscheck's performance on Saturday? As much as he doesn't want to retire on a loss, should he maybe consider calling it quits now? If not, who makes sense for him next? Also, he appeared to be having some trouble with his eye during the fight. Do you have any yeah. insight onto whether he injured it uh, or was it just never fully recovered from the GSP fight? Well, it was interesting. If you saw my pre-fight interview with Jake Ellenberger he admitted that he is going to target that eye. And apparently, he did a good job of doing that. Josh Koscheck, man, what a, what a pre-fight interview from him. Holy moly. He was spin fire as well. He was talking about unions and, and uh, AKA burning down and all this stuff. I mean, he was in rare form. It was great to see Josh. I loved our exchange at the beginning of the interview where I said I, I thought I'd never see you again. He was saying that he, he, he hoped that was going to be true. But I love Josh. He's a great character. He's one of those, you know, those tough OGs from Tough One. Just him and Diego Sanchez left as far as active Tough One fighters in the UFC. But I, I do think it's time. I mean, he was talking about a lot of investments and doing things outside of fighting. He said he wanted to finish his contract. He has one more fight after this. I'm not so sure that I want to see him fight again. Um, just because you don't want to see a guy who was so great at one point, title contender, um, you know, just it, it, he's, he's not at the same level anymore. And these things happen. It happens to everyone, including Muhammad Ali, who... Roy Jones called the greatest of all time. There's no shame in that. You have to know when to say when. So again, we always have this discussion after a fighter of his caliber starts losing a bunch and gets older. They can do whatever they want. But if you're asking me, do I want to pay to watch Josh Koscheck? Do I feel comfortable watching Josh Koscheck? Do I want to see Josh Koscheck fight again? UFC or not, the answer is no. Gruesome scene there uh, with him getting you know, choked out and, and, and starting to foam at the mouth. Boy, actually, I wanted to ask Kenner about that, but uh, it, it lasted a little long. Also, the Mark Munoz one, um, the interview lasted long. But, man, that was, that was, a, that was a gruesome thing to watch. Um, I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him fight anymore. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's you know, he's proven everything he, Same with he Mark has Munoz. I love Mark Munoz. Really one of the nicest guys, but I just, I don't know. I don't want to see it anymore. Uh, next question. Obviously, it's time to get Tony Ferguson a big-name fight. He has looked great in his last few, and I can't remember anyone who has run through Glace and T-Bow like that. Any thoughts on who he should fight next? This person, uh, Gator, says Diaz versus Ferguson, despite Ooh. Nate coming off a loss. That's fun. Yeah, Diaz is still a big name. I wonder if Ferguson finally cracks those rankings, those pesky rankings. Um, you look at who's at the bottom of them. You know, Ally Quinta, Diaz... Masvidal, Jim Miller. I mean, it's obviously a very... I mean, all due respect to Iaquinta, I kind of feel like he deserves to be in there, right? Over Iaquinta? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean has Castillo, a loss to, to Mitch Clark Hilo, recently. And Tebow is pretty solid. 
I think he's won, what, four or five in a row? Five in a row, including those in the last three. He beat uh, Katsunori Kakuno and Mike Rio yeah. to start the streak. He's such a confident fighter. Wow, that guy oozes confidence. Um, he's yeah. very intense. He's come a long way. I love those stories. Like Someone was saying, I think it was maybe DC was saying on the post-fight show, like Tony Ferguson proves... Actually, I think he said in the pre-fight show, Tony Ferguson proves that the tough system still works. And that might be the case. But I like, I like the slow build. It's fun watching a guy who makes it into the UFC, be a tough or whatever, and you know maybe stumbles at first, but they, 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 they give him that slow build, and they don't give up on him. And now, look, I mean, he's really turning into something special. So it's a lot of fun to see that happen before our eyes. I think he deserves to be ranked. And I'd be down with that Nate Diaz fight, even though Nate is coming off a loss and he's been stumbling as of late. I think that's a fight that is obviously very high profile. And I'd be surprised if Tony didn't want that fight. All right, let's try and uh, power through some of these. We've got a lot. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, what did you make of Rumble and Jones? There you go, rushing me again. Wind yes. Uh, what, what did you make of Rumble and Jones uh, winding up Dana? at the press conference, the uh, welcome to the show press conference. It was great to see some fun uh, like that, and I thought it showed all involved uh, in a light that we can allow young people and our moms to see. Is it time folks learn to smile again in the fight game? Uh, yeah, it was great. Last time I checked, I think, I th and, uh, and it might have gone up, but that video, that one clip has like 800,000 views on our YouTube channel, which is amazing. Great moment. Uh, I, I enjoyed that press conference. It ran a little long, but it looked nice, and it was fun to see all the fighters up there. Apparently, they're going to do it every quarter or so. So the first time was time is now. Now it's welcome to the show. They got to put a lot of time and effort, resources into getting all those fighters there. Made it feel big. Gets people excited about the upcoming fights. I'm cool with it. I thought the fans asked tremendous questions. My favorite one, by the way, was the guy comparing John, John Jones to Kanye West, saying it was hard to be his fan. Anyway. I loved it. I saw something about DC not being happy about it. It was fun. It was fun to see uh, Dana's reaction. And look, it brought some attention to the fight. It doesn't always have to be bad blood, all that stuff. 800 or so thousand people on our YouTube channel, forget about the UFCs and everyone else's, saw that clip on a fight day with a lot going on. That's pretty big. So, yeah, it was great. It was, it was a really fun moment and looked like Dana crapped his pants. So that's, hmm. always, that's always funny. Now the question becomes, are you going to start saying welcome to the show incessantly yes, now? Yes, absolutely. Hashtag welcome to the show. Brock Lesnar was at the show. <laughs> welcome to the show, Brock Lesnar. I love Lesner. it. Yes. Go ahead, do it. Hit it. Transition. Thoughts on Brock Lesnar being at UFC 184. Did he and McMahon really have a fight? Hashtag welcome to the show. <laughs> do you think it's a WWE contract ploy or is there a real chance he could return to the Octagon? I think it's the latter. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's negotiations. This is what you should do. You're about to be a free agent. Why not go out there and start flirting with your ex-girlfriend in front of your former girlfriend or your current girlfriend? Yeah. Maybe it's your damn wife or maybe it's your <laughs> mistress in front of your ex-girlfriend in front of your wife. Who knows? Damn. All I know is that Brock Lesnar was wearing a sweet-ass three-piece suit. He was front row. He makes a great entrance, and the timing is not coincidental. His yeah. contract's about to be up. Uh, Dave Meltzer saying that they got into a disagreement. This guy knows how to play the game better than anyone. He's amazing at that, and he's weighing his options. So he should do that. That's negotiations. More power to him. I hope he comes to UFC because he makes things that much more interesting. Enough of the fake stuff. Brock, come back. That was great. And also... He is a scary, scary man. In that suit, he looked yeah. particularly scary. That shot of him and then Mickey Rourke, or was it Mickey Rourke, then him? I think it was Mickey, then him. The juxtaposition yeah. between, like, scary man and, well, scary man. <laughs> Different scaries. Um, okay, next question. Do you have anything uh, else to add to what we were talking about earlier with Burt Watson? 
Um, do I have anything? Let's see. My phone? No, I have nothing. That's it. Okay. Hopefully, like I said, cooler heads. Um, reiterate, reiterate real quickly because if somebody looks at the clip, you know, in the question section. Oh, I understand. I understand. So what I heard was that uh, right before UFC 184, I believe on Friday, there was a disagreement about a few things, and uh, and Bert went home. Uh, what exactly was the disagreement about? What were they mad about? What was he mad about? I do not know. Uh, a lot of people pinning this on Mark Munoz. I don't think there was an incident between him and Mark Munoz. I think it had one of the things. I think it was multiple things, but one of the things might have been something. Again, it's all very murky, so it's weird talking about it on, on air here, but about him coming back or being brought back after having to weigh in on Friday. A little bit of that is speculation, but that's why he's getting tied to this. But there was nothing between Mark and Bert. You know that those two guys are two of the nicest guys in the business. Um, and then before UFC 184, he went home. He was not at UFC 184. And I was also told that it would be premature to say that he was A, fired, or B, quit. These things happen. He's been around the sport. He's been with UFC for a very long time, over a decade. So you hope, again, cooler heads prevail and they'll figure it out. I think it's, it's, it's too soon to say he's done with the UFC. But right now, disagreement and... Uh, they're not, uh, they're not on the best of terms. Okay. Uh, Ariel Hawani interviewee, Alexa Grasso. Is it safe to say, is it safe to say we yes. see this girl in the UFC anytime soon? Uh, her performance on Friday night was great. Um, go check it out, they're saying. UFCfightpass.com, by the way. <laughs> yes. Um, look, all the things that you can see on paper, you know, she's very charming. She's got a great look. She speaks Spanish. She's Mexican. These are all very promotable things. She's very marketable. She's a great fighter. She's undefeated. I was blown away by her striking, her technique. She's got great heart. She's very young. I think she's 21. Um, and also Mizuki Inoue. I mean, that was a great performance as well. Obviously, Grasso defeated her and, and, and deserved to do so, and, and it was a pretty clear-cut decision. I believe 29-28, if my memory serves me correct. I think it would be a huge mistake not to put her on that Mexico card. Um, Aldana as well. Why not try to promote women's MMA to the masses in Mexico with your own? I mean, you're, you're there June 13th. It's a great card. Kane's on the card. You get the rub there. I mean, this is a no-brainer, in my opinion. And look, if there's an ironclad contract, then send her back to Invicta afterwards. It's not the minor leagues. It's, it's, it's not a demotion. But let's use her for this card because it only elevates Invicta as well. You know, I, I, I would think it's short-sighted to not put her on that card if you're Invicta, to not be in favor of that. Now, of course, you want her to be part of your shows as long as possible, but let's be honest, there's a relationship there. So I think she's going to be a very big star if she continues to win. Like I said, Mexican female fighter, you can't beat that. That is yep. gigantic, and she's great as well. Yep. And, and, and has a very nice demeanor, very nice disposition. She could be a very big star. They're not only Mexican, but they still live and train in Mexico. Yeah. Which is another thing. Legit. It, it's, you know. That's a goldmine right there, man. Dana White, Sean Shelby, they were flipping out on Friday. They were loving it. Okay, our next question. Uh, our final question from the website. What are your thoughts on the next season of The Ultimate Fighter? Is the new format change enough to breathe some new life into the show? How do you expect ratings will differ, if at all, from previous seasons? Look, we've been down this road before. We get excited about promos, this and that. We say it's the new season, all that stuff. End of the day... It usually runs a little long. It gets a little stale. But I will say this. Based on what I've seen, they showed this two-minute clip. Have you seen it? No. They showed a two-minute trailer of the upcoming season because they've been taping it for a long time now. It's been like a month. And this is pretty compelling stuff. And, and the most compelling uh. thing, listen to me, the most compelling thing, it's, what's most compelling is the part I didn't expect to be compelling. And it's this rivalry between Dan Lambert, 
who, if you have been following the sport for a long time, you know Dan Lambert, founder of ATT, in fact, was trying to buy the UFC before Zufa came along, a real OG, a guy who collects pro wrestling belts. He's unbelievable. Read Chuck Mindenhall's story about him after the Robbie Lawler win. His beef with Glenn Robinson. And you know, these guys aren't actors. This was great stuff. They really hate each other. It's a lot of fun. I like it. They're going back and forth, calling each other unathletic, all that stuff. Now, I've looked at the roster. There are some names that you know, we may recognize. Um, Steve Carl is in there. Yep. Nathan Coy is in there. There's a couple others that I recognize. Do I think this is going to revive tough? Do I think this is going to be the thing that changed? No, but at least, I'll say this, at least, at least they're recognizing that things need to change. They've gone to Florida. It's two camps. At least they're recognizing that. Does that lead to more change? We'll see. But I'm happy that we're out of Vegas. I'm happy that we're out of the, you know, Team Melendez, Team Pettis. It's a nice change. We'll see what happens. Let's see how it plays out. But the trailer, whoever put, a, put together that two-minute trailer deserves a raise because it looked fantastic. Now, my question on the Ultimate Fighter, is it is the question at this point not can this new f- thing save Tough? Because we've asked that how many times? Yeah. It's what will it take to kill Tough, I think is the question. Because the real point of tough is it's programming. You know, the UFC is doing a lot better on Fox Sports 1. It's programming. Yeah, so... That's all. That's so all it should these, be. If these it's ratings, not going to save anything. It's yeah, not going to kill if anything. If these ratings are sufficient, then I don't think we'll ever lose tough. I think it'll just keep on churning the same and... As long, but at least they're not churning. Look, they could be churning the same. Team Dos Santos versus Team, you know, Velasquez. We could do that a thousand times, right? Yeah. At least they're trying something different. They're getting out of... You know, I hope... I don't, know, I don't know anything about it, but I hope they're not living in the same house. I don't want to see that. Let them live in their own houses. They all live in Florida. Let them do that. You know, if they're all part of those teams, let's, let's really do a difference. So this is a nice start. I like the thing with the, the, the owners so we, going toe-to-toe. Let's see. We don't know if they're staying in, like, a home base yet. I just assumed they were able to go in their houses and all this filming just took place I at saw, the gyms. I saw a house... I oh, saw a no. house there, but I don't know what they were doing because they were all just meeting Dana, and he was kind of like picking them. It was all very quick. It was like two minutes long. Oh, no. And it was at a big press conference. But I will say this. Look, the UFC has always had this contentious relationship with managers and agents and all that stuff. It's cool that they're promoting, you know, two schools. They have good relationships with those schools and gyms and teams, whatever you want to call them. And letting two managers come to the forefront like that, this is different. This is a different side of the Ultimate Fighters. So let's see. Let's see. That's, I mean, let's, let's just see. It's not going to kill. It's not going to save. It's not going to do anything. It's programming on Fox Sports 1. You don't want to watch it. Don't watch it. It is what it is. You're not paying for it. You're not asking. Uh, they're not asking you to pay for production. Let's just see what happens. But at least they've recognized that the old format is stale, and that's a good thing. All right, five minutes for Twitter, one minute apiece. Yes. Betch Kohea, uh, if she gets the next title shot, how do you feel about Kat Zingano versus Misha Tate rematch? I could dig it. I love that. I could dig it. Nisha yeah. was winning those two rounds, in my opinion, yeah. until that's actually uh, a really Kat good came call. on in the third. Yeah, I, I really like that matchup. So I I'd, I'd love to see that again. Yep. Uh, is there a bigger gap in all of sports than there is with Ronda and the rest of the field at 135? In all of sports? Gosh. Hmm. You know, honestly, you make the case for Demetrius Johnson, right? Flyweight? It's a pretty big gap there. I'd say Ronda's is still the largest, but yeah. you, 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 he has he has a Thoughts his in, hat's in the ring for sure. Um, one thirty, yeah, yeah. Demetrius comes to mind, but all of sports, I don't think there's that big of a gap in in the team sports, right? No one's killing it like that. Yeah, I mean, it'd have to be like a Tiger Woods, like in his prime kind of oh, situation. Are we talking the history of sports or current no, sports? No, this is current, but I'm okay. saying I'm 
struggling to think of one now, but like a guy like a you know a Tiger Woods when he was winning everything, that type yeah, of yeah. guy. Or, or or the Bulls, I think it was in '96 or '7, '72, '72, and yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty big. But uh, right now, no, that's a good call. Yeah. By the way, have I ever looked better than in that photo there? Every time I see it, I'm like, wow, that was a, that was a great day for me. It's a nice one. Listen to this guy over Indianapolis. Here. I remember that. Uh, where should Ronda Rousey rank on the pound for pound list after Saturday? Ah, yes. This person has Jones, then Aldo, then Demetrius, and then Ronda Rousey. Tell me what I should think here because I don't know what to think. I, I don't know what the answer is, honestly. Um, I mean, you. I don't know. I have a hard time saying she's not number one. What? Number one? Yeah. Over John Jones? I have a hard time. I mean, what's the argument? What's the argument for John Jones? Well, here's, here's, here's my argument. My argument is when I'm, when I'm ranking the, the 135ers in the UFC, I'm putting TJ Dillashaw, the Hennon, blah, blah, blah. I don't put Ronda Rousey because those are the, male, those are the people who fight each other. That's their, now, when I'm ranking the female ones, I put her there. So when I'm doing the pound for pound, I don't think of that. You know what I mean? No. So why should they, com- why should they combine? I don't know what you mean. When I'm ranking the bantamweights. Yep. Right? When, when someone says, give me your bantamweight rankings, yep. there's a male and female one. There's not one. Yes, but pound for pound isn't a ranking of, isn't a, ranking of a division. Yes, but you're taking guys from divisions. Like, why? So, so you're taking now from the women's side of the division and putting her... Yeah, that's, but that's the, the, the part that I struggle with. Like, should I be doing that? Or should, they ha- should there be a women's pound for pound? Should it be separate? Because TJ no. Dillashaw is not going to fight Ronda not- Rousey. No. But why it, not? It can be one. But it's not a crazy comment, right? You understand where I'm coming uh, from. Slightly, but no. I don't because the, the, the final ranking, the pound-for-pound pound ranking, is irrelevant because those people are not squaring off. The reason you're having a top-10 bantamweight ranking is because those people are going to fight eventually. And then there's one person who comes from that that's the champion. Uh, and then you're taking any people from any division and saying these are the pound-for-pound pound best. It doesn't have to necessarily be the champion of a division. It doesn't necessarily have to be a guy who's even in the top 15 in that division if, you know, for some, you know, for some crazy, not possible reason, he wasn't ranked. Let's say he was a brand new guy um, that you thought was a pound-for-pound pound champion, but or a pound-for-pound pound great fighter, but wasn't ranked for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's no there's no uh, stipulations there. You can pull anybody, and that's why Ronda Rousey would Look, fit on that list. I don't hate it. I won't argue about it, but I don't I don't really know what to think about this. I don't know. It's like I I, I, I don't think, think it's stupid to do it, but I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I think. If you can make a reasonable argument that level of competition matters, and not that's Absolutely. not to say, you know, the question earlier asked, quote unquote, bums. I don't think anybody who fights in the UFC is a bum. Period. End of story. But the gap between Ronda Rousey and the rest of the division is significant. It's very, very large, and it's not because these other girls are not good. It's because they're all very good, but Ronda Rousey is that much better. Um, and I think that that makes you know all the case you need to say that she's probably the best. She's probably the yeah, best. She's up there. Uh, I, I'll just say, like, when someone asks me for my pound for pound, I don't think of her as number one. And maybe that's sure. wrong. Maybe that's wrong. I just wish Katz and Gano didn't throw that Hail Mary. Why do you start the Super Bowl with a Hail Mary? Just get your feet wet. No. Relax. Chill what, out. Did you, what did you think time. about what Brian Stan said? Uh, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, again, I'm, 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 look, in the moment, I was thinking, like, holy moly, she's going, okay, good, good for her. Uh, and then it's over. But now when I'm thinking about it, it's a very accurate thing to say. 
just get your feet wet. Just relax. You're a little nervous. Take your time. It's a five-round fight. Why are you jumping in there? Especially against someone who's able to adapt to situations like that perfectly, better than anyone. I just wish she just waited a little more to, to go for the gusto. But eh, look, if she would have landed, we would have said she's the smartest fighter in the history of the world. So yeah. that's, that's hindsight. Beat I get it. Just last thing on this. Yeah. I mean, I could also hear the argument that if, you know, let's say... Uh, uh, oh, okay. Perfect example. TJ Dillashaw, TJ Dillashaw is the 135 pound champion, right? If you have him on your pound for pound rankings, where would Ronda Rousey go? So if I say she's number one, that would assume that I'm saying she could beat TJ Dillashaw at 135 pounds. So I, I could see an argument for why she wouldn't belong there, but I could also see the argument for why she does. Right. Um, but it's, it's an interesting debate to have. And yeah. I don't think anybody but her could have made this happen, this kind of debate. Agreed. Uh, we have two more. Why doesn't anyone call Ronda, Ronda Rousey the best fighter of all time, 11-0 and 0 in MMA, and only 25, uh, less than 25 minutes yeah. in the cage? Same argument. You could. You could make that case. I think she needs to win a few more. You know, The reason I think John Jones is the best is because of who he fought, who yep. he beat. Uh, I don't think her competition has been there. Now, she's certainly beating great fighters, but I think it's a little too early for that. Personally, you can do whatever you want. I'm not hating. Okay, I lied. Two more. Okay. Uh, Bellator uh, yes. now taking Rampage to court. What do you think will happen? Does the UFC release him uh, being too much of a hassle to hold on to him? No lawyer here, but I'll say that I'd be surprised if the UFC didn't do its due diligence before signing him and making yeah. sure this was okay. Now, does this lead to him being off 186? Perhaps. But I don't think this is the worst thing in the world for the UFC. That lawsuit, if he has to go back, if he can't fight, you could point to this and say, look, there is a place for people to fight. There is a place for other fighters to go. It's not the worst thing. And that's the first thing I thought about when they signed him back in December. So this isn't the worst thing in the world for, for the UFC. I'm glad. I mean, like, look, Beltors at least, you know, they're at least keeping their word. They said they were going to do something, and then they just disappeared, and finally they're doing it. Maybe they were playing possum and trying to do this as, as close as possible to 186. Let's see how it all turns out. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for the UFC, if you get what I'm trying to say. Yep. And I, I have to agree that they probably did their due diligence yeah. before they yeah. did this. They're not the type to... They've never done that. So I, I, I don't see them changing for Rampage at this point. Final question. Yes, have yes. you seen? Have you been watching Conor McGregor's six-part documentary series? If so, what do you think of it? I have seen it. Uh, I've seen the first four episodes. It's unbelievably riveting. It's, it's amazing access. It's some of the best I've ever seen pertaining to the UFC. There's some amazing clips there at the UFC headquarters, Zufa headquarters, Lorenzo Fertitta, Dana White. It's, it's really riveting stuff. Don't be surprised if it comes to the U.S. sooner rather than later. I'll say that. I saw Connor. He was wearing an incredible shirt, some gold thing he was wearing with his lovely girlfriend. And, Is this, you uh, talking about 184? I saw him, yeah. I saw him after the fight outside, mm -hmm. just outside, randomly on the street, on the corner of the street. It was amazing. And uh, he was very excited about the documentary. He wants more. He has big plans for his uh, 189 uh, event coming up July 11th. And uh, I wish I asked him about that hat. Did you see that thing with the hat, Katsangano hat? I, I saw a, I saw it afterwards. A, she a, takes off her hat as yeah, and throws it at him, and right? Whips it at him. Did she do that on purpose? I don't know. But I saw his Instagram after. I didn't understand what he was saying until I saw the video. He said, <laughs> "Slipping, slipping hats and cashing checks with Uncle Frank." That picture with Frank Fertitta. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, of course. That's, that's one of my favorite ongoing storylines in MMA. <laughs> his relationship with Uncle Frank. Great stuff. All right, that's it. That's it. We're done. That's it. We're done. Can I get just the what's the, we almost forgot just oh, a quick Jesus. Welcome to the show. No, it's on. No, you, you almost forgot. I wanted. Yeah. To, no. Welcome. Nothing. Well, okay. No. Um, 
Oh, oh there it is. Here we go. Can we mix it with the oh goodbye music? With the goodbye music. Can we mix it? Not possible. Let's just hear it. All right, you give me music. I love that song. How about that? Let's see how you fade it in. No, the other music. There it is. There it is. All right, a great show. Great to be back, as I said. Fun week in Los Angeles. It felt like the eyes of the MMA world were on Los Angeles. Of course, Bellator had their event in Connecticut. Mohegan Sun, congratulations to Liam McGeary, the brand-new Bellator light heavyweight champion. Also, I saw Douglas Lima at Invicta, and he was all kinds of fired up about what Paul Daly said on this show. We'll get him on soon. He was saying this guy is, uh, is out to lunch. He wasn't impressed. Called him a bum. He wants a piece of Daly in the summer. Daly won. I know it wasn't the most impressive win, but he did what he had to do. And obviously, I think they should make that fight next. Fun times in MMA. Lots going on. More to come. MMA Beat is back this week, so check that out. I want to thank Robert Sargent for stopping by. Check him out on MMARising.com. Great mind when it comes to MMA, and also he's Canadian. Thank you very much to Brian Stan for stopping by. Great insight as always. HireHeroesUSA.org. Thank you very much to Marion Renault taking time out of her busy school schedule. Good luck to her in her next fight. Great story there. Thank you very much to the legend Kent Shamrock, June 20th in St. Louis, Missouri, fighting Kimbo Slice. That should be a fun ride. Thank you very much to the great Henner Gracie, Henergy. Congratulations to him and the team. Thank you very much to Roy Jones, March 6th, this Friday, fighting on Go Fight Live. Check it out. Roy Jones, congrats on all your great success. And, of course, congrats to Tam Dan McCrory on being 2-0 in Bellator. Looking forward to what's next for him. If you missed anything, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Until then, peace. I'm out of here.